You're listening to podcastjuice.net. Okay, then we add in what we call the room tracks. This makes things sound a little bit, even a little bit bigger. Now we're going to put in Terry Lewis's part. He's the bass. And now we groove. I put a little, yeah. I play a little synthesizer along with him. <laughs> and that's now a synthesized we, bass on top of his right, natural right, bass. Right, is that a natural bass? Is that? That's a uh, bass guitar. Bass guitar. All right. Good talk. Good talk. Good talk. Good talk. D-O-O-D. Good talk. Okay, now we groove. We got the groove going now. So now we're going to add in some keyboards. You know, those are, you know, little melody lines, you know. Yeah. How did you feel it out and thing like that? Yeah, yeah. thing like that there. So basically, that's all we're doing. Now, all the controls down here, if I want to turn the mix up, like if I want to turn the snare drum up, I can just go like that. Mm-hmm. Turn it turn it off. You know, that's all we do. And um, then when the groove, once the groove is going, we can do interesting things by grouping the faders together on these switches right here. Give me a breakdown. Like what? Yeah. A breakdown? Yeah, breakdown. Oh, okay, uh, a little yeah. bit of keyboard. A little bit of keyboard? All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Prince Podcast here on Podcast Juice. Net. This is your host, Michael Dean, and today we are doing part two of our Sign of the Times review. So we are going to take the second disc and break it down till it can never be broken down again. But to help me do that, I have a great host of guests here. So first off, Mr. Sexy and Sack, how are you, sir? I am well, enjoying the post-Thanksgiving hangover. Very ah, nice. There you go. All right. And we have Mr. Anthony. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, doing great. Just got back in from seeing the fam in AZ. All right. And the special guest, he's been on the Prince Podcast once before. Uh, He has made a name for himself with the excellent podcast, The Music Snobs. We're going to welcome Mr. Arthur Turbo. Turnbull, Turnbull, if I'm saying it right. I'm going to just butcher you. (laughs) Left hand turn, cow with horns. There you go. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I really appreciate the invite back, man. Uh, I had a really, really good time uh, talking about the 90s. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one because I, I, I can actually uh, show my positive side <laughs> <laughs> to the conversation. All right. All right. And, and uh, brief the people, let them know. I mentioned the Charlotte Music Pod, the Music Snobs. But what is the Music Snobs about? Uh, the Music Snobs is a is a conversation similar to yours uh we've got four regulars and um uh we talk about the artists and the music that both frustrate and fascinate us so um we like to uh try to give a spin and on on both today's topics and also um historical topics so that we can give people who are really into music more of an in-depth uh, uh, look at the music that they, um, you know, hold hold personal and value to themselves, but also people who, you know, like music, listen to it, but don't necessarily understand what it is that they're listening to. You know, so for example, why is 
why is you know why is Stevie Wonder revered? Like, what makes Stevie Stevie? You know, why is why is Michael's Moonwalk uh, something that you you know you being born in in 1980s or 1990s know all about, but don't really know the origin of it and how it translates to Justin. You know what I'm saying? So uh, sometimes we get uh, a little bit uh, anal. Uh, yeah, I'm speaking about myself. And, uh, uh, you know, really belligerent. Now I'm speaking about my colleague, Scoop Jackson. And, <laughs> uh, you know, but all in all, um, you know, we're trying to uh, each one teach one with our show. So we're really, really happy and thankful for all of the uh, friends that we made along the way. And, uh, you know, I'm the Prince geek of the show. My colleague, Jahan, as well. But I think I'm a little more geekish on, uh, on Prince. All right. All right. Uh, so it's it's really a pleasure being back on the show here. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure to have. Like I said, I am a fan of your show. Uh, I listen to it whenever you guys put it out. I'm I'm there downloading, checking it out. All right. So as I stated, we are talking about Sign of the Times. And if you've heard the previous episode, you heard us dissect the first disc. So now we're going to go to disc two. Just to back up again, reminder, uh, this album was released initially March 31st. 1987 and today is we're in the year 2013 so we're looking back at arguably one of prince's greatest albums ever it's quite possible you could say that all right so without further ado let's just get right into it you know how we do things here so the first song on this second disc and if you were back in the days it was that second vinyl side a you got the look featuring sheena easton now, I'm going to start this off by saying this. When this album came out back then, when, and you got to look when I got to this part of the album, this, for me, was an immediate skip song. Oh. I, I was not into this song at all. I didn't like the beat. I liked that it had, you know, the, the, the Camille voice, and I was getting really used to that from some hearing these other songs in the album. But there was just, I don't know, this song to me seemed devoid of, <laughs> of any sort of um, like that Prince funk that I was really a popular, was, I was really a fan of at that time. Um, and I'm talking a lot of these sort of uh, later revolutionary, just jam type stuff. And when I heard this, I was like, ah, this isn't what I wanted to hear at this time. Now, when the video finally came out for it, I started to kind of, I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I had a visual to go along with it. It helped me sort of appreciate the song a little more. Now, it was when the 12-inch version dropped, and it had the extended version on there. That's when I was like, okay, I see what he's doing here. <laughs> and I became a fan of the song, and I rocked that version. Um, so looking back, I wasn't a big fan of the song. I listen to it now. And it's great. I think the other part of this was that this was a single and this was not a song that I would have personally have picked as a single. And I was a little upset, like, why is this song getting the shine? This ain't the jam. But I'll let somebody else tell that story. So I'm going to go to author. Author, you got the look. Speak on it. Skip song. I was right with you. Wow. wow. Total skip song. But here's the thing, though. It's a good it's a good first song for side three. Mm. for that album and what uh i don't know if you talked about it in the first one so i'll just be brief when you did part one but 
you have to remember that Sign of the Times was a two, was a double album, two right. pieces of vinyl. And when you sequence records, especially a double album, side three, the first song, that can make you or break you. That can make or break your entire album. Because if you have a weak song three that kicks it off, I mean, a weak first song on side three to kick it off, it's going to be difficult for people to, 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 to play the second disc at all. You know what I'm saying? So I think it worked well with uh, the sequencing. And I, I, I appreciated the, um, the obvious inclusion of Sheila E's Timbales, kind of pre-announcing this change that was going on with his band, you know, that she's more integrated into the music. Um, I did not get Sheena Easton at all. <laughs> I hadn't heard from her since, since you know, what was it, Morning Train or something like that some years ago before that. Um, Sugar Walls. Sugar Walls, man. <clears throat> was that, was, did that come out before Signs of Times, though? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it did, actually. Sugar Walls was 85, man. Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That yeah, was like her yeah, big yeah, hit. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, well, Homegirl was never really on my radar. I hear you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, at all. But um, it didn't, it, it never really grew on me. I mean, even today, if he throws it out in concert, it's one of my bathroom break songs. <laughs> it's like that one, seven. You know what I mean? It's like, Whoa. okay, I can kind of take a break and sit down or, you know, do whatever I need to do. Because it just doesn't, just doesn't really grab me. But, um... I appreciate that uh, it's a fan favorite, you know, and um, I just, yeah, I just think it was a good, strong song to lead, to lead off with. All right. Big Sexy. You know, I'm going to have to disagree with both you guys. Now, I agree with Arthur in a sense of a double album having that third side kick off with something good. But, Mike, I think this was a great pick for a single. It's accessible. It's not too, I don't want to say exper- experimental or avant-garde, but it's very straightforward and the inclusion of Sheena Easton just fur- furthers that connection they had back with uh, Sugar Walls. And, you know, they're friends. She's on the album. She gets in, gets out. A little radio-friendly chop there. And to get more, I don't even know if it worked, but more uh, pop radio publicity on it, I think it was a good inclusion. Now, the song itself, I've always liked the song. I love the 12-inch. Love the 12-inch. Because it stretches out, stretches out a little bit. And when I saw the video... You know, again, I'm looking at the video, I see the bandstand set up, but I see, you know, I don't see people I recognize, which I thought was pretty interesting. You know, I take that back. I saw, you know, Brooks and Stafford in there, but I can't stand them. But a lot of, <laughs> a lot of the band people I didn't, I didn't recognize, and that was going to be, you know, dealt with down the line. But I think as a way to kick off a second disc of a, you know, two LP or two CD set, I think it's okay. And... I miss vinyl for that reason, for the four sides of, of music. You can't get that anymore. But I think it's a good way to kick the album off. Yeah, and I just wanted to add, you know, it's, funny. It's, it's kind of funny, like, this was his feature. You know, like, oh, we see that all the time nowadays, and you just assume that everyone does that. And it's kind of interesting that back in 87, Prince, you know, he, he had to have a feature. And that was the song that blew it up, you know, that was sort of, actually, this was the most successful song, aside from Sign of the Times, from this album. Uh, and it was because it was a feature and it was radio friendly and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Mr. Anthony, what's your take? Um, unfortunately, I, I'm a little bit younger than you guys. So when uh, my music experience came through uh, music videos, 
So I, I, I became a slave to whatever MTV put up, whatever BET put up. All of a sudden, I had to like that song. So when I first, uh, my first exposure to the song was through the video, and I thought Prince looked hella cool in it. It was a weird filter on that. I, I guess he was ahead of his time with the Instagram stuff. And I, I really didn't understand what was going on with this band. I was like, where's Wendy? Where's Lisa? Where's uh, Bobby Z and even Brown Mark? But I like the song. I, I really love the, uh, I, 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 I hope that's Chicken Grease that he had going on throughout the song. Uh, the, the weird voice, I, I, again, I was kind of young and didn't understand what was going on with, the, with him musically. The weird voice, I, I thought it was unique and something, some newness that, you know, was a bit uh, refreshing to see at the time. And at the time, I thought Sheena Easton was hot as hell. So <laughs> for me, this, this, was, this was my jam. As I became more, I guess, um, experienced in Prince music, it is it is one of the songs that I skipped. The other one being it. Uh, what? On the album. Yeah. It. Whoa, 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 whoa! Uh, uh, uh. Uh-uh. uh-uh. <laughs> you have to get cards pulled here. What's going? On? <laughs> Go ahead, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Let's skip. I mean, again, unless it's the 12 inch vinyl with that uh, that guitar riff coming in. Yeah, I, I kind of skipped this, but it's by no means a, a bad song by any means, and uh, I thought it was a it was a it was a good fit at the time. All right, you got the look. You must have took. I, I I had to refrain myself from speaking about the live version since we'll get into that later. All right, so next up, song number two is "If I Was Your Girlfriend." Now you could do a whole. We probably do a whole podcast about this song itself. But with that said, I'm going to refrain from my comments. For now, I'm going to let our guests start us off on this one. So, Mr. Author, take it away. Okay. This is a hell of a song to put number two in any kind of sequencing, right? This is probably, this is probably the most personal song on the on on the entire album this song is directly focused on Susanna Melvoin Wendy's sister Wendy's twin sister and her and Prince's relationship he had been envious for lack of a better word he had been uh, envious of the relationship between the two sisters and this song was essentially him Asking her, you know, if I if I was you, if I was your girlfriend, would you open up to me? And and in the same kind of way that you open up with your sister. Uh, I really wish I knew, you know. I mean, I don't want to be all, all, all in my man's, you know, personal business like that. But I mean, I really wish I knew what they were what they were going through at what stage they were going through in their relationship, where he you know, focus the lyrics on, you know, um, because I think that, I think that it's very rare that Prince's music, not that it's rare that Prince's, uh, uh, experiences inform his music, but it's very rare that he will take, uh, you know, a, a, a specific scenario, a specific person, you know, and put that to words and put that to music. This is probably his, 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 his biggest, biggest muse song. You know, and now nobody, no male singer 
could pull off a song titled If I Was Your Girlfriend <laughs> and, and have the general public not think he's homosexual. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Only Prince, this is one of those things that make Prince, that makes Prince Prince. You know, he, he, he's the most unique to be able to even put out a song like that because reading the back of the album cover to see a song like If I Was Your Girlfriend, I already knew this was going to be a cold song <laughs> without even, before you even hear it. You know what I mean? But then when you do hear it, it's very, very different from um, music that he had done in the past. It's more along the line, um, uh, uh, I guess, sonically as, say, uh, the Ballad of Dorothy Parker. You know, it's, 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 it's one of those um, not necessarily moody songs, not necessarily melancholy songs. You know what I mean? It's like it's 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 almost a ballad. You know what I mean? It's all very near up tempo, but you really don't understand. Uh, I don't know. When I first heard it, I didn't necessarily understand where he was going with it. I I, I recognized that he was talking to his girlfriend, you know, and I recognized that he was trying to to you know to make this connection with her, but there was that this disconnect. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it's, it's very rare that he does it in, uh, in concert. I don't think I've ever heard him play this live. Um, and it's kind of disappointing because, you know, it's a really, really poignant song for him and he doesn't, even today, you know, he doesn't put out music like this where, uh, where, you know, he's, where he's bearing, you know, bearing his soul. And he's a, it's an example of just his great, 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 great lyricism. You know, I mean, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, if I was your best friend, would you let me take care of you and do all the things that only a best friend can? You know, um, would you run to me if somebody hurt you, even if that somebody was me? You know, sometimes I trip on how happy we could be. Yeah, it's yeah. that's just that's just the kind of brilliance that you just don't hear in his lyrics anymore. And it's it's you know, it's really it's really unfortunate. I mean, it's a hell of a song. Yeah, it's. <clears throat> You know, when I when I first heard, I mean, you know, it has the little intro part comes in here, the the marriage, the marriage sort of theme, and just when it just drops, and I hear to me, I, I can't help but think of like uh, Sly Stone, you know, and Larry Graham a little bit, the bass playing, and just that feel of it, um, the way he's singing it, you know, you know, on a Sly record, some people. <laughs> Right, and right. I kind of get a little. I was like, okay, he's, and it, but the fact that he's using that voice, it's just like mm-hmm. it's just so weird. It's just like, man, he takes it to another thing that nobody would have thought to do something like that. And the fact that it's it's funky, it's right, right. You know, it, it has all of these things. That's what I'm it, saying. It's yeah. not exactly a right. It's not exactly a ballad. It's not exactly something that you dance to. No, no, and it's no. but and it's like it's strange, but it's good. You know, it's like man. This is incredible. You want to listen. I almost mad sometimes that it's it seems like it's too short, but in actuality it is exactly what it needs to be. Like it gives you a complete song and then he's got the spoken part at the end. I mean, he's damn near doing spoken word. You know, it's this got right. all these little elements into it. And then, you know, the fact that like you said the le- the lyrics is very clever and funny. You know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and and he's you know being Prince at that time is going to have some sexual stuff in there that you normally probably wouldn't say in a a song like you know a song period 
and he throws it in there, and it's right. and it's funny. Though it's kind of like okay, <laughs> you know, it'll make you kind of laugh. Like this guy is funny. Um, now, go ahead. Oh, my understanding is that the voice was a mistake. Right. That um, there was a really good uh, interview that um, you know, if you Google Google Susan Rogers R O G E R S. Uh, interview and I think it's I forget the name of the website but there's like there's like a couple parts of this interview that was done earlier this year I think in February where she talks about the recording of if I was your girlfriend and um, there was actually uh, uh, um, an error that she made when setting up Prince's mic that uh, caused that his vocal his primary vocal you know to have that that not quite Camille quality to it that you you know that you first heard on mm-hmm. uh you know like housequake and and uh lever money where his vocal was actually sped up um but he, but but also going to your point about it be about the uh the spoken word and kind of the sex thing it's not it's not print sex you know it's not like let's pretend we're married you know head international lover sex it's almost where he where he's fusing um the terms love and sex together in a more mature way and i think that 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 speaks to some overall themes in the album you know that this is his uh you know this is the album where he's reached artistic maturity and he's shed a lot of the um overt sex in a lot of his lyricism um, with with the notable exception of it, I mean that's just straight up, you know you you, you know you know what it is, mm-hmm. but um, the this is more of a uh, of of his way of saying that you know the sex is an extension of our love for each other, non promiscuous. You know what I'm saying? And, and I don't think you get that right away. You don't you don't you don't get that right away because I mean, dude's talking about dancing about laying naked and all that. <laughs> yeah, if you like super homophobic, this song is gonna cause you to have aneurysm or something. You'll be like, right. <laughs> the title, and then he's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Um, and it's interesting, you, you know. You said at the beginning, you know, not too many artists could do something like this. I hesitate to say I don't know if necessarily a Prince can get away. I mean, he got he gets away with it, but was, I think he already dealt with that question of, you know, which way does he go? And so at this point, if you still <clears throat> hung up on that, at this point, ah, ain't nothing I can do for you. This is what this song is about. This is right. You know, the whole Camille this is very interesting because even though it is personal, the lyrics, well, I guess the intention was not to be it for Camille, but the Camille character is a female. So it's just kind of interesting to take that as if is this song spoken from a, a, a female's point of view. Um, you know, also I'll throw in there. There was a cover of this song, right? It was a TLC did this song. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but with that said, let me jump over to Big Sexy. And what, what do you think on this track? You know, when I first got this album way back when, and I saw the track listing, I, I have to admit I had some some uh, reservations. I'm like, if I was your girlfriend, what's going on here? But knowing Prince from the past, you know, it's never what it's going to appear to be on the surface. I'm like, well, let's take a listen. And then when when you hear it. <clears throat> And then you look at the next two songs with it. To me, those three songs, and I'm going to dovetail on what, what Arthur said, those three songs show this 
gigantic leap in maturity and just exposing of his own, I don't want to say insecurities, but his own vulnerability at that time. Because at the time this came out, I didn't know he was involved with Susanna. I didn't know who Susanna was other than the family. But when you hear these lyrics, you know, it's like a guy who's caught caught up in a situation. He wants to make it right, but he just doesn't know how to do it. I didn't know he was competing with Wendy at the time in his mind for the attention or the closeness and intimacy that Wendy and Susanna have because they're twins. And he's not going to, he just, you just can't be that guy as an outsider. No matter how close you are, you're not going to be that close. And he's just expressing his frustration with it. And again, this is something I would like to hear live too, because it's, it's such a magnificent craft of a song. But at the same time, knowing what I know now about him as an artist it, it doesn't surprise me that we won't hear this because it's too personal. You know, he doesn't like to go back. And, you know, this song was about that relationship and that woman and, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. That's over now. And I don't think he wants to go back to that to that uh, emotion. But having said that, I think it's a great, great song. One of his best compositions uh, of the whole catalog. Yeah. And, you know, one of the great TV performances of the song was on Oprah, I believe. Like, And it was almost sort of done in a celebratory sort of manner if I remember it right I mean because obviously everyone knew the song and it didn't have that he wasn't singing it from that sort of painful it was almost like like I said it seemed like it was a celebration of ah, yeah you know and everybody sing along but with that said Mr. Anthony um, like real quick uh, to uh, Big Sexy's uh, point he actually did perform it at the 21 Nights um, show he did out here in Inglewood that was one of his uh Second encore song oh, he cool. uh, from the uh, the sampler set. Yeah, he 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 performed it. He didn't sing it. I think there's a difference if I'm if I'm saying that right. You know, it's like oh, this is one of the songs you like. Here it is. He didn't really give you that. But uh, not to uh, to uh, to jock my man uh, Arthur's point. But you know, <clears throat> he said that this is a mature prince. And to me, this song is like a mature man song. Not only from the person writing and performing it, but from a, a man listening to it. You had That's a good to, point. I feel like you, uh, like people didn't get it. But if like looking back on it now that I'm in like in my mid thirties and I hear the lyrics and I hear what he's talking about, I, I I totally understand what he's talking about and what he meant by the entire uh, the the title of the song and the lyrics. Uh, for me, one of the the poignant lyrics to me uh, that I I constantly look at is the one where he says uh um would you remember to tell me all the things you forgot when i was your man now brothers y'all know exactly what he's talking about (laughs) y'all know what he's talking about that women have a tendency to uh not tell you everything or or go run to that best friend that best female friend instead of coming to talk to you and then like once they resolve it you're like well you you have a point like you should have talked to me. I could have helped you out with that situation a little bit better. The other one, and I think we've all been there too, is is it really necessary for me to go out of the room just because you want to undress? <laughs> <laughs> I've been there too. It's just like it's like when I hear the song, like sometimes it's kind of skippable for me. I have to really be in the mood for it. But when I do listen to it, it just makes me feel like, yeah, he, I, I, I know what he's talking about. That's that's a grown man song right there to, to be listening to, 
And, you know, hopefully one day when I, I have a son, I'm going to put that song on to him before he has his first adult <laughs> relationship. Like, yo, this is what you're going to go through. And it's going to be meaningful. You're not going to understand it, but listen to the song and you're going to get it. You're going to get it. And hopefully you'll have a better relationship because you're never going to be. It, it, it's a sad point because, you know, women always say that, you know, your your, your husband, your your spouse should be your best friend. But there's, you know, this song kind of proves that you're never going to have that certain bond that a woman's going to have with her best friend, her best female friend. Wow. You know, when you guys break it down like that, it really brings to mind to me how relatable this song is to people. Like, because he's like you said, he's speaking about real shit that you will go through and that we all can like, ah, oh, yeah, I was OK. Yeah, that did happen. I remember that time. Yep. And uh, it just goes back to him really being in tune to being relatable, even though his persona may not have seemed like he was. Uh, relatable but the lyrics and the music and the song yeah that's a part of our life like i understand what the hell he's talking about whereas sometimes he could be on some whole other stuff and you don't know you're like what is he talking about but one of his, this is one of his great points i think why this song stands the test of time in my opinion is that it is so relatable and it is so good and and, and like i said getting in, into the music is just so amazing that man this is one of his best songs in my opinion it's one of his best songs period like nobody yeah, else could have made a song I agree. like that. Yeah, I agree. He cared. He cared about this song. I mean, he took a lot of time putting this song together. You know, you figure it was put together specifically for this album project. And you know, your overarching question about you know, is Sound of the Times his greatest album or his greatest compilation? You know, kind of holds true in the sense that there are songs, several songs, in fact, that are pulled together. You know, as a skeleton mm-hmm. framework for this album. If I was your girlfriend, was not one of those songs. You know. He spent time with the vocals. He's he's layering his vocals what I mean, nearly a half a dozen times. You know, there's no guitar, minimal synth. You know, heavy bass. Uh, um, uh, it, the 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 spoken word dialogue is almost uh you know a uh, uh, um uh, uh you know a by the way let me really 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 you know talk to you directly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where the verses, the singing parts, you know, uh you know speak directly also, but it is more. Uh, as my man Anthony was talking about, you know, it is more about trying to, uh, you know, he's understanding and mature men do this. Boys don't do this. Mature men understand that women communicate very differently than men. And what Prince is trying to do, what he's trying to say is, I want to communicate with you as a woman mm. so that we can relate and m- make this relationship work. It, I mean, it's damn near a plea for help, really. Right, right. Mm. Let me let me pose this question to you guys. Um, why did this single, this song, not not work? Why didn't it not like take off as uh, you know? The only thing I can suggest is it just didn't get airplay because I never I didn't hear about this song till and please don't bash me until <laughs> TLC, TLC covered it. What? Well, I, I'll give I you an exempt. Ask you? Give you an I, no, I really won't. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, this song really was—it was too heavy for radio. It was too heavy for radio, and Warner didn't like it for a single. And he, Prince, actually asked um, Susan Rogers, his engineer, Susan Rogers' opinion, and she she voted to have him, you know, put it out as a single because, as a woman, this is what I'd like to hear, you know. And I think that what summer of '87. 
because I think it was the third single actually. I think it went it went Sign of the Times in March, then the album released, then you got the look, then um um you know the if if I was your girlfriend Shockadelica release, and I think uh, that was that was late summer going into early fall. Actually, actually, uh, uh, if I was your girlfriend was the second single. It was the second. Okay, you see my dates be like you know <laughs> I got three other guys that are like no no art it's this. <laughs> no, I looked it up. Sorry, this one. But um, so what? Yeah, that puts us around summer, you know. And uh, I mean, what was on the radio in summer of 1987? What was on black radio in summer of 1987? Yeah. I can't stop loving. I can't just stop loving you. Right. And, right. Um, LL Cool J's bad. Right. Hmm. And so a, a quirk, you know, a song that people write off, write off is Quirky Prince, If I Was a Girlfriend. And it is like his classic, you know, quirky type stuff that we love. But yeah, yeah, it couldn't, you know, it couldn't get any traction because radio didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, I remember Again, hearing it's not it. necessarily danceable. It's not necessarily right. a ballad, <laughs> you know. Which is which is kind and of funny. Radio because, and it, I don't know. Go ahead. No, no, no. You got it. Go ahead. Well, which is kind of funny because they ended up uh, giving major airplay to the other song ballad on this album, uh, this side, "Adore." That's the one that they went after. Yeah. Yeah, but "Adore" lyrically is a is a straightforward, and if I was your girlfriend, makes you think. You know, it challenges the listener and a lot of people in, who listen to the radio. I'm not going to I'm not trying to rip anybody. But when you when you lower the, the bar to the lowest common denominator of radio listeners, a lot of them aren't going to get this. No, I'm agreeing with that. Yeah, I think a song like this would have benefited greatly if there would have been a video that accompanied this to sort of maybe explain it a little better. And yeah, put some context the, behind yeah, it, and the dynamics of seeing Prince would have, you know, definitely helped it. But I, I was, um, I got, the, uh, this was the twelve inch, if I'm not mistaken, that had Housequake uh, with it as the, you know, sort of basic. Shock- this oh, is Shockadelica. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, you. Got no, no, no. So yeah, Shockadelica. And I'm, I'm not going to get into that, but when I heard that, I was like, well, wow. I, what? <laughs> Well, how is he right. able to get away with this? <laughs> it's too much stuff. But yeah, I, I was just, this is one of my favorite songs in the album, though. I was just like, this is the shit. Like, and I remember hearing it on the radio and I would get happy. I'd be like, ah, oh, man, this is, and I, I realized like, it's not working. Like, they're not really playing it like the other songs. But I was like, whatever, you know, no, no, they don't understand him. You know, I was on that whole steez back then. But, um, any last words for you if I was your girlfriend? Or we but uh, yeah, I mean, again, not to bash me again, like the reason how I, I discovered the song was through TLC and reading uh, the liner notes and seeing Prince. And I just went through my collection of Prince songs and there was, I mean, albums and I saw it on sign at the time. And I'm like, yeah, I can't believe TLC messed that song up. See, I, I don't hate their version. There's There's no way you're going to make a competent version of this song. I mean, Prince can't even, I don't even, per, per, I don't think Prince could redo this song now and I would not be like, what are you doing? This sounds crazy. So, I mean, for what TLC is, you know, they're not only a band or anything. I don't know if Dallas Austin produced this or whoever did. I was like, okay, you know, it was it early 2000 whenever it came out, sort of hip hop slash R&B group. It could have been worse. It was not uh, Timberland's When Doves Cry. 
it wasn't <laughs> that bad, which I thought was horrible. So I was like, eh, okay, you know. And they had, I don't know if they, if they had done Get It Up at this time. So I, I respected that you got to really respect some Prince to do this song. This ain't no song you just cover because somebody, this is going to be a hit. It's not going to be a hit. It's going to be a cool song you must be into. So I kind of respect it on that level. Uh, but it doesn't hold a candle, obviously, to the original. I agree. Uh, but yeah. the problem is, is that they didn't really get across the the emotion and uh, the story that was being told. Because the song doesn't work if a woman sings it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right off the bat, it doesn't sure. work. I give. See, I I'm not I'm not mad at the cover. You know, I look at Dallas being bold. That's a bold cover, mm-hmm. and it's a smart group to give the cover to. You know what I'm saying? But it doesn't work when you have a female vocalist because the context is completely shifted on its ear. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think the only person I, I want to see cover this, and I would not be shocked. Uh, you, know, you bring him into the conversation, but say it's, it. <laughs> it's D'Angelo. Say it. There you go. <laughs> he was the only person who I would be like, okay. I know he right. understands this. He bleeds Prince. So I, I would, I was like, go ahead. You, you Actually, go ahead. I, th- I think the person who could cover this and make this a hit, and you guys are going to crap on me, but he's going through it at the time as a, as an emo rapper is Drake. Whoa, whoa, oh, stop, boy. stop. What is an emo rapper? <laughs> and the women just, just wow. sucking it all up. What is an emo rapper? Help me out with that one. <laughs> He actually has some. He has decent vocals, but I'm just saying I can see him doing this song and the women just losing it. Well, I'm not going to argue. I could see them. Do, I, I think they will have no context of who did this song originally or what it's about. And I think just for their love of Drake, they would probably think that this is. Oh, he's a genius! But I mean, I, <laughs> it, it would be see, ridiculous would, to me. Anthony, I would. Okay, I'd be more with you if you said the weekend. I'd be more with you if you said the weekend. I could see the weekend. I could actually see him pulling it off. No, I'm just but saying it's Drake one has... of those songs. It's like it's like you know, it's like a Luther song. Yeah, there's certain songs that you really, really don't even want to mess with. And with Prince, that's that. Man, if I was your girlfriend's at the top of the list, you know what I'm saying? You really don't want to play with this song. Well, no, I was just I was just having a little fun because. Uh, oh, I'm this is blowing up with this Drake, the type of guy, because they're giving him all this this crap about being, you know, so emotional and understanding women's feelings. So if he dropped this song, it'd be over. Right. You could rub him in. Yeah. But I, straight up, though, I mean, real talk, I, I would be more with you. I could see The weekend pulling this, actually pulling it off, not just with it, you know, covering it. But I'm saying actually pulling it off to the point where. It's like, oh wow, print that's a Prince cover, kind of a thing, hmm. because I think that kind of that that kind of uh, uh, you know, um, I'm successful, but what was me demeanor that the weekend has <laughs> and Drake has too, you know what I'm saying? Actually fits. If I was your girlfriend, it's like you know, he's Prince, he is Prince, and he can't, and he's having difficulty talking to his woman. All I right. need help. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> How much more vulnerable can you be? And I think The Weeknd could actually pull off a cover. I, I cannot believe I'm saying this. But I think that, that The Weeknd could actually pull off a cover if I was your girlfriend. 
right, all right. I have yet to really delve deep into his stuff. I know who he is. I've heard a couple of tracks. Glad I checked that guy out. All right, we got to move on. We'll do a whole show on that song. Um, So moving to the next track, another one of my favorites, Strange Relationships. Big Sexy and Sack, you can start us off on this one. You know, again, that just piggybacks on If I Was a Girlfriend. Now, major uh, confession here. Back when this song came out, I was going through some stuff with a with a lady friend, and that, he caught, he captured exactly what I was going through. You know, I can't stand to see you happy, but I can't stand to see you sad either. <laughs> and you just can't, you just can't figure it out. You know, and so that to me, at that time, I was you know a lot younger, obviously, but it was just like a sign of growing up and coming into maturity. And, and I guess that's a theme for the next few songs here because. That's what I got from this song. You know, it's not working. I don't know why it's not working. I want it to work, but ah, I just can't get it to work. Whoa. And there's nothing you can do about that, you know, and it's just hard. And it was it's it's great how he captured all that emotional upheaval and got it on, on the record. And again, that's something I don't know if we're going to hear live because it's so personal. And as, as much as you would you appreciate the growth from going through a phase like that. You don't want to go back and retouch on the pain that came with that experience either. So I can see why you wouldn't do it. But if you did, I'd be all over it. But, but again, this is some, um, I don't want to fuck it. I'll say it. this is some, like some heavy, heavy lyrics. And I don't think he gets enough credit for it on this, in this song. I really don't. I think it's brilliant. I really do. All right, man, <clears throat> this song for me. Now this is, 87 you know it's the heyday in my mind for like minneapolis funk i was into jesse i was heavy into jamming lewis heavy into prince so this song i was like yes prince is i hate to say it, coming back to you know what really got me into it musically this is my jam what, let me say this when i first heard this song i was so happy i was like yes this is that shit right here ah and I was mad at the same time because when he gets toward the end of the song and he's vroom, vroom, they about to, I was like, oh, they about to get it done. And they faded. <laughs> I was hot. I'm still hot to this day because I have still have never heard where this goes. And I know he was about to get it in. And to, to me, this is quintessential Prince R&B jam. This can go. This song can be played any era is it's going to work. It's just. And it, it takes me back to, like, early Prince. You know, I could have easily heard this on 1999. It might have sounded a little different, but the same. This is my shit, man. The vocal, y'all speak on the lyrics. I'm just saying for the music and the rhythm and the, the bass and all, this is it for me. Like, this is one of those, again, jams of the album. I still bump this song to this day, and I'm still, like, mad because i don't i don't really like the mix on this album i'd be mad because i can't really hear some of the instruments the way i know they be bumping but this is that funk for me this is that prince funk that was just everlasting can always go on uh and don't even get me started and we'll talk about it but that version that they did on the warm-up concert uh for those of you on valium we talked about the last show a little bit that's the quintessential version of this song this is when you thought the album version was called? Okay. This is yes. Yeah, let me go ahead yes. and show y'all 
This is how it get down. I'm so mad that he did not have that in the Sign of Times movie. I would have blew it down. It would have been like, okay, yeah, that, that's the, that guy right there. Yeah, you can't really, you can't say nothing. You can't say nothing to him ever. <laughs> it's just, it's a cold track. Uh, Mr. Author, go ahead. Okay, yeah, I'm right with you. This was like, this was this was it. This was like it's Prince. It's it's, it's it, right? But it's actually in. It's funny. It's an old song. I remember hearing about the song before Neil knowing, and I was very happy that it finally got released. Neil Carlin, who did the 1985 cover story on Prince, where they got an interview, and it's the it's the issue where it's just the video frame from Raspberry Beret, and the headline is Prince talks. You talk about Rolling and, Stone. Yeah, in Rolling Stone magazine, and it came out in uh, in fall of 1985. And Neil Carlin, the author, is riding around with him, and he references in the article he references his two songs, "Old Friends for Sale," and "Strange Relationship" that Prince was playing for him in his in his Thunderbird while they were driving around North Minneapolis. And there's a early version that, that I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard, but there's an early version that was sequenced for the Dream Factory album that had like a heavy sitar, yeah. you know, real heavy bass line and everything. Yep. And the released version for Sign of the Times is just perfect. It's like one of the very, it's one of the rare occasions where Prince reworks a song without ruining it. And, it, you know, it's brighter. It's a lot less dark and heavy as the as the earlier, you know, as the earlier version, unreleased versions were. Um, and it's sequenced really smartly on side three. You got you got the look. You know, I see you. You're fine. Let's hook up. You got if I was your girlfriend, you know, I want this relationship to work, but I don't know how to talk to you. And then you've got strange relationship where it's really, a, a, you know, a, a control type song. Can't stand to see you happy. More than that, hate to see you sad. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to try to do this, you know. Um, but it's not a – I don't think – I don't think it's about Susanna. It might not be about anybody. I like to I like to try to ascribe certain songs to certain people, you know, in his life. But, you know, uh, uh, my co-host Isaac Perry, you know, he, he talks about, well, look, Prince is one of those types of people anybody can inspire him. He could be in Starbucks – and see a fine barrister and be like, write a song about her. So, I, I, you know, it could not, it, it may not be about Susan Muncy. It may not be about anybody. But um, it's just, I mean, Mike, you hit it on the head. It's that Minneapolis funk that only he can put together in a very, because it, it's a very non-traditional style. Great song. Great. Side three is the coldest side on the entire album. I mean, it goes head to head with side one. But side three is, that, that's, it's the one. All right, Mr. Anthony. Uh, I I have to agree. Uh, this is like this is to me. This is another uh, grown man song here that you you can only relate to and really feel. And if you done been through it or you you done had a couple of those relationships, actually, this might be an early. A, a, no, this might be a, a young man's song because like if you look at some of the lyrics where he says, "I uh, I seem to get a kick out of doing you cold." You know, we we, we kind of young. We we kind of you know, we feeling ourselves. You know, we finally get to get to get getting getting around and tapping some ass. We kind of get a kick out of yeah. You know, I got this chick over there jocking me. I got that chick over there jocking me. This one crying over here. We 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 kind of feel that. And 
the, the other line where he says, I took the, se- the self-respect you ever had. And, uh, you know, again, you know, uh, th- this is like really speaking to men where, you know, this is how this is somehow how we think about not only some of our conquests, but some of the relationships we in where we got that, you know, and I, I hate to be vulgar, but we got that one bottom bitch that, you know, will do <laughs> damn near anything on you because to quote Eddie Murphy, you made her go, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, 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 you know, but y'all know what I'm talking about. No, no uh, back, back to the song, you know, when I when I when I had uh, the first sign of time, this is one of the songs that I, I have no reason why I, I just kind of naturally gravitated to it. You know, it had a nice uh, melody, it had a nice beat to it that I could easily just bob my head to, and you know, the chorus worked well for me. But you know, as I you know matured in my listening taste, this is one of the songs that you know fell by the wayside. You're like, you know, I, again, I had to be in the mood to listen to it. Um, uh, Arthur was talking about the uh, the original cut that was on that was made for Crystal Ball and I mean, you know Dream Factory. I like that version a little bit better. I like the uh, the slow uh, tone of the song. And I love the the extra like Middle Eastern um, sitars and uh, in the background. You know, I, I was reading about how you can hear that um, he turned it down and it took most of it away. You can hear it just a little bit. I, I prefer that version, and of course, you know the the version is that for those of us on volumes, which you know, yeah, uh, that that one kills it. So it, it's there for me. All right, all right. You know, <clears throat> and this was one of those songs where I think you know Prince did, and then uh, he gave it to Wendy and Lisa. Said, okay, you know, put put your put your stuff on top of it. And I know there's people who swear up and down, like you know that was a crime against humanity. Like, he took Wendy and them out. I'm not going to argue that, but I do feel like at the end of the day, like that, I need to hear that raw Prince. And it's not necessarily raw, but I can appreciate the Prince jam, the funk, just that I feel like that's, he only really carries that to, to, to that level. And I don't have no problem taking their parts out. Though I do like their contributions. You know, I like the background vocal. It, but this song is just, like I said, this song is dope, man. And, and again, I hope that one day they do, uh, you know, reissue or remaster or, you know, extended, you know, whatever they want to do. And they put the long version of this and let it play out. Because I just, I don't know, man, I know they get in. I know they go in. Like, that's Prince, man. That's what he was doing back then. <laughs> like, I need to hear that. Um, and every time I've ever heard this song live, it's always been dope. Uh, whatever configurations, some are better than others, but I've never heard a bad version of this song. I just think it's a joyous type of a song, even though the lyrics speak on sort of uh, darker sort of things, relationship aspects, but ah, I can go on and on. Uh, Next up, and keep it moving, is I Can Never Take the Place of Your Man. And we're going to go to Mr. Anthony to start us off on this one. Oh boy, I wish I hadn't. <laughs> uh oh. Break it down. Um, I don't know. It's, it's to, it, to me, I, I kind of find it just a little bit generic. I kid you, I love the chorus. The chorus, I can always get into singing that. Baby, don't waste your time. You know, I, I, I love that part. I love the chorus. Technically, the music is, is good. I, I just feel like he had. I really feel like he had better song in him than this, and 
I, I don't know. I, I love the break. The, the best part of the song is the breakdown portion where he slows it all the way down. I, I guess that's a uh, running thing with me where I do like the, the songs that are, you know, have a slow tempo. And he's just, um, the, in my opinion, freestyling. I love that guitar and, you know, how everything plays into the background. But, you know, the song for itself, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's some meaning in the lyrics, but. I'm not really, I'm not really feeling it other than the chorus. So this one doesn't really have a, a, a special place for me. I, I, you know, he recently did a, a version of it on the uh, Live Out Loud tour, and that's the only live version that I really like about it. But other than that, uh, it's it's kind of a skippable song for me. It's a totally skippable song, I should say. All right, uh, let me let me throw this in because I I, I don't want to forget it. Um, apparently, there is some other version of this song that has just surfaced within the last couple of days. I have yet to hear it, but I, I see people talking about it. I don't know if it is a, a sort of a remix or something, but I heard that there is another version of the song out. Coincidentally, there's another version of Bat Dance, uh, which is out there, which features Big Daddy Kane, <laughs> interestingly yeah. enough. The uh, hell? Yeah, I have heard that. It, it was some sort of remix or something, but it's not bad, and it has different... Some of the, um, I guess they they had the original tracks from Prince, so they were things that they can pull into the mix that we have not heard before. But with that said, this song, initially when I first heard it, I liked it. I, I wasn't in love with it, but I liked it. I would play it, and I knew it, and it was like, I just kind of let it play because I was, you know, back then, you, if you was really into an album, you just let it play. Because, well, you know, I'm dealing with vinyl here, so I'm not going to get up and move the needle all the time. And I will let it play. But the more and more I start listening to it, and I will admit, seeing sort of those live performance of it, then I was like, whoa, there's things going on in this record version that I'm not paying attention to. <laughs> that he makes very apparent when you see it live. So I said, let me go back and re-listen to this. Now, this song is classic Prince to me. Like, knowing what I know now, yeah, I could hear this song being played with no problem on one of those older albums and would have fit right in. And I think that's why I like it because it just is to me, it's just Prince. Like this is something that Prince would do. Yeah. It has sort of some rock sort of elements to it, but it's still, I consider it soul because of the way that he plays those types of songs. He does not take away the rhythms and things that I just instinctively hear and will fall right in line with. Even if, it is not in a you know stereotypical sort of soul uh, style, but I hear it in his rock stuff. The same way, I, I say the same thing with some of Lenny Kravitz stuff. To me, it's soul. I hear the soul. I hear like, ain't no, it's only certain people that can play music and it still be ill. And like, I can feel that. <clears throat> even though if it's. <laughs> so, <laughs> But I hear it in his, and that's the difference for me with Prince. Like, I can listen to him play, well, I don't know about some of the newer stuff, but back then, when he still had rock stuff, to me, it still was black music, in my opinion. I mean, it still was soul music. Like, I hear it. I hear the funk. I hear the rhythms. I hear the the timing. It's still there. So, to me, this is just more that, and I love the lyrics. I love the story he's telling. Again, it's it's some kind of more from that, you know, listen, girl, I'm going to just tell you right up front. I'm not trying to be your man. I'm trying to get in them draws and you can do better. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
I know you're going through some stuff, but don't let me, I ain't going to, I'm just be right up front with you and let you know exactly what, what my intentions are. But, you know, I can't take the place of this. I'm not Captain save a ho You're going to have to go over there. And, and it's just, it's a funny, it's, it's funny to me, the lyrics. But again, I like, I like the story and just the performance of it. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's kind of playful a little bit. And yeah, that breakdown part, it's bad, man. I, it's, I even like the ambiance of the 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 keyboard synthesizer sound um, that is permeates through when you really hear that sign of times tour. But the end of the song, he could have went on with another five minutes of just like ancestral sounds of that stuff. I'm mesmerized by that entire period. But this song just has p- bits and pieces of that. This brilliant track, um, and the fact that this is sort of an edited down. Of you know the original track, which somebody else could bring up. So I I am a fan of this track, Big Sexy Insect. I got a co-sign. I enjoyed the studio version, but when I saw it in the film, and they really stretched out a little bit and got the guitar solo happening, I'm like, okay, this is what's happening, and I like it. But lyrically, it is straight to the point. I'm about to draw. What's up? But coming off the two previous songs, it's kind of a step down lyrically for me. You know, because you get really heavy introspection. The last two songs and this one, what's up? We're going to do this or what? I ain't your man, so let's just hook it up and keep it moving. And now having said that, I do like it. And uh, you guys mentioned earlier about the TLC cover of Strange Relationship, which I have not heard. So I can't say anything. But you I mean did... if I was your girlfriend? I'm sorry, as far as your girlfriend. But I did hear Jordan Knight's cover of this. Oh, Lord. Hell no. Some songs you don't mess oh. with now. I see he tried to slow down the tempo to make it all, well, in his mind, sexy. He failed. <laughs> these, these are things you just don't you don't mess with. You know, you don't you don't do this. Now, coming back to the performance on the on the vinyl, you know, this is a great song. And like Mike said, you know, back in the day, there was no skip button. You just let side three play, and just zone out. Put on your headphones. I remember back in the day, I'd have my my Sennheiser headphones that just sit in my apartment. And just zone out. It's a great song. Every time I hear it, I hear something new. And that includes yesterday when I was listening to uh, the CD to get caught up for today. I hear something new every time I play it. It's great. And what he did, we did it during a sampler set here for the Third Eye Girl Tour while in San Francisco. Yeah, I acted a fool. I will not lie. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. You know, I had to look up this song. And we may have mentioned this on something else, but... That Jordan Knight version also whack. features whack. Robin Thicke. Oh, no wonder it's whack. He sings, he sings background. On that. Whoa! <laughs> but it, it, just to throw this out there, there are other versions of this song. I don't think I've ever heard of these things. The U.S. 12-inch vinyl, there's something called the Soul Solution Extended Version and the, the CZR Funk parlor remix i have never heard of these i'm scared to hear those i don't <laughs> i don't remember that on the 12 inch but uh nonetheless <laughs> mr uh, mr author yeah with, with your words it's, it is one of my favorite songs on the album I, when i was in high school uh i used to play drums to it i mean it's just a great song it, musically it's when you remind part two for me uh, yeah yeah and, um, the, you know, the only thing I, I, I disagree with is I don't even think he wanted to get with old girl. I mean, he was dodging a bullet from jump. 
it's like, okay, he left you with a baby and another one on the way. No, I don't think so. And it, it's like, it's, it's, it goes to that, that, that mature kind of prince that I was talking about. Cause we're talking about the same prince that, you know, in the song head, he intercepted a bride on her way to be married. So he's not passing up anything. Right. But here, He's dodging a big old bullet. And I think he, you know, he genuinely feels bad for her, but really just can't do anything for her. And and she's the one that's looking for, uh, you know, some kind of, you know, comfort, solace, you know, you know, daddy friend, whatever. You know what I mean? And he's like, no, 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 I just can't go that route. But nothing I do remember is that the song took on a whole new significance after seeing uh, the the film version of it where they put in and I didn't know it at the time, but they put in the the rock hard and a funky place horn arrangement in there, That's you know, and really livened that song up. That's a head um, buster moment. Isn't it? Period. <laughs> that just kills you. Ed <laughs> just that yeah, that just really sets you I mean Eric Leeds, Atlanta Bliss too, but Eric Leeds that that was that was Prince's secret weapon. Yeah. Because he brought something to Prince's music, even I mean, on the records too, not just live, but I mean, he brought something to Prince's music that nobody else had. I mean, the closest thing to it would be would be uh, Clarence Clemens being part of the E Street Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band, mm. and even then, that was a completely different type of horn style, you know. But uh, you know, I think that uh, back to Sign of the Times, the album version, I think it's a great bookend to to the. Um, uh, the quartet of, you know, you got the look, if I was your girlfriend, strange relationship, and then closing the side out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am a vinyl guy, not as much as Scoop Jackson, but I'm an album guy. I don't, I rarely just listen to songs individually. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I don't do playlists and stuff like that. I'm the guy that just listens to an album and it works real. The song works real well in keeping you engaged in 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 this you know in the second record of the double album it it, it's it's one that can grow on people where where you learn to get an appreciation of it because i'm saying appreciation of that style of prince that that you know that midwest rock funk style you know but um it's 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 one it, it is it's one of his great songs it's one of his great songs yeah, and let me correct myself. You know, I mentioned all these other, the, the Soul Solution extended mix and all that. I'm sorry, that is the Jordan Knight 12-inch. This apparently okay. was a single uh, Whack. for him. So, But me... still, you know what, though? That was a horrible, that was like a horrible letdown 12-inch in that, sweet, in that sequence. Because you had what? You had Sign of Times, La La, He He He. You, had look, you got the look in, in Housequake, which I thought was, you know, okay. Because I'm a big B-side guy, like... Put something on there that we haven't heard before. I was like spoiled. And then you had If I Was Your Girlfriend and Shockadelica. And then this one, this 12 inch was almost kind of like a throwaway because it had Hot Thing on the other side and there was right. no extended version. There was nothing. Oh, I, well, yeah, Take the Place of Your Man. He just kept that straight, which I can, I guess, uh, you know, the Hot Thing inclusion. I was kind of tired of the song by that time, but there is that extended yeah. remix and it does have a little something on there, but I agree it was sort of a throwaway at this point in the game. Um, we are actually going to take a quick break for a technical situation. But, uh, we will be right back in probably, what was my man say? In two and two. We'll be right back. All right. Oh, Lord. 
fuck it up. Side of the vinyl. This is what? Side four. And uh, I will give you a little tidbit to the listeners. We've done this before. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. <laughs> all right. So the next song up is The Cross. And I will start this one out. Black day, stormy night, no love, no hope in sight. That is how this song starts. And I will say this. This song it was one of those songs, well, again, you had the vinyl days. It was the first song on the, the record here on this side. So it was hard to skip because you got to drop it down, let it play, and at least see what it's about. I grew to love this song um, the more I continued to play it. Once I realized what, was, what else was on this side of the vinyl, I would usually start jumping into the second song immediately. But with that said, this song is still a great song. I became a super fan of the song after I saw the Sign of Times movie. The energy that is displayed on there and where they take the song, obviously there are more band members there, so you got horns and different things going on, made me appreciate the simplicity of the recorded version and how it builds in intensity. Uh, so I am a fan of this track. Mr. Author, Karate Hitza. This is my skip button song. This is my get up off the couch, pick up the needle, move it to the next break song. And it's not because it's a bad song. It's just because I heard it before. And and you know what? Frankly, now I'm really thinking about it. It was the ladder. The ladder ruined it for me Mm. because I don't like the ladder. I don't like the ladder at all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's Purple Rain done wrong. We already heard it before. And, and I, you know, it's like I get it. 
I mean, it fits it fits the themes of the album. You know, he 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 uses the going back to the three symbols, the iconography that he used in the in, in the promotional materials for the album, the heart, the peace sign, and you know, and, and the cross, the Christianity, universal Christianity symbol. I, I, I get it. It's cool, you know, but it's just, you know, it's just we've heard it before. And, um, um, you know, it's 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 just uh, it's not bad. I don't want to get, you know, what I'm saying <laughs> just like we heard it before. <laughs> you know, you couldn't. I mean, man, we got neon telephone that hasn't been used. We got wonderful ass that hasn't been used. We got got anything else off of crystal ball in the dream session. You know, that that, that could have been used, but it wasn't used. Neon telephone. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but. Does it work? Kind of like how I don't really like you got to look. Does it work as a lead for the side four for the final side of the album? Yes, I'll concede that it does, but it's just skippable for me, particularly on CD. Wow, okay. Uh, Mr. Anthony. Mr. Anthony. Anthony. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, I know some of the, the other panelists have their issues with this song, which I can understand how, as a God-fearing Christian, you can oh, have, have not loved this song. Uh, the main thing I, I love about the song is how it is subtle. The music and the tempo is just starts so slow and really wants you to hear and just like absorb the lyrics and the, uh, what he's telling you and how and how and why you should be believing. You know, it's giving you all these things that are going wrong in your life, that's going on in your world, you know. He's telling you, you know, if you just hold on to the cross, hold on to Jesus, hold on to the Christ, it's going to get better. Everything's going to get better. And then all of a sudden he comes in with the, with the, the, the I think it's the kick drum, and then the guitar riff comes in, and it just becomes a power rocker and, uh, stadium anthem. And I just can't avoid, like, bobbing my head to it. Like, yeah, you know, Prince with the church on it. Prince is testifying, you know. I, I love this song, and anyone who has anything ill to say about it, I smite you. <laughs> wow. All right. Thank you, Bishop. <laughs> the preachers of Paisley Park. Can I, can I ask a question to that, though? Can yeah. I ask a question? Sure. Now, don't you think that, I won't go so far to say that his motive, but that he was putting out a call to his black who had left him in the last two albums before Sign of the Times. I'm sorry, you cut out. You said uh, to a call to his who? To his black audience. With this song? Yeah. How so? I'm curious. Well, okay. I mean, we are, by and large, we're a large dominant Christian group in the yeah. United States, mm-hmm. right? Um, at that time, we had fallen away from Prince parade aside from aside from kiss and maybe arguably mountains but i mean we weren't really listening to prince uh around the world in a day we really weren't listening to prince arguably you know pop life kind of kept us but it wasn't you know it wasn't traditional r&b prince right that his black fan base had grown from you see what i'm saying so i'm what i'm, I'm asking the question do you think that the cross was, and I'm not saying that it was his motive, like in a deliberate attempt, but that he was consciously thinking about this kind of anthemic test, 
you know, a, a testimonial to rally his black audience back toward him? Well, I, I would say no, because I think if he was trying to do something like that, he wouldn't have used that music to do it. Because I think, again, to go back to the point you, you said, I think instinctively, and I'm speaking for everybody, but if we don't hear certain sounds immediately, you know, turn it off, you know, turn your mind off to it. And I think people had that more than norm at this point with the black audience was, I'm going to turn my mind off to where Prince is playing because it's not something I would, I'm into. You know, yeah, you're going to have those couple songs like you mentioned that are just obvious. Yeah, this is the, I can get into this. This is the joint. But when the other sort of other stuff come on, nah, we're not, we're not going to hear that in the cross. I don't think, I mean, to me, it's the, the difference between like if you were to drop the needle on the cross or if you drop the needle on a door. Even if you didn't know what that song was about, you're going to be like, oh, what is this? You know, you're like, oh, yeah, that gets our attention. So I don't, I personally don't think that with the cross. Thematically, I agree with you, but I don't think he, I think if he did, he was ill advised because, again, I, I think the music would turn us off immediately. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I would say this whole album is trying to do what you said, and I think it does it very well. Um, just quickly, again, sidetracked. You know, this was the album like my dad, at the, you know, my dad back then at this time, he was not a huge Prince fan or anything, but he had this record. He had this album. And I remember him telling me, I don't think he knew I was really into Prince, but he was like, yeah, you got to get this. This is the sign of time. This is a cold one right here. And he's a heavy R&B, you know, old school dude. Uh, so for him to sort of give this younger artist any sort of a look, let alone bought it spoke a lot to me where I was like, wow, like, wow, he, for him to like this, like, cause he don't fuck with nothing, but you know, the, the, the old stuff. And he identified with some of the songs on here. So I think mission accomplished overall the album, but to get back to the cross, sexy and sack way in. Well, you know what? There's a phrase that, that I used to hear in wrestling a lot. And that phrase is, somebody just pulled your punk card. You gonna pick that up? So, since Mr. Anthony wants to start smiting people, I gotta respond. Uh-oh. Now, the song, you know what? I don't like it. There it is. Not because of the subject matter, not because of the performance. It does build up nicely. It is constructed very nicely, but it's like Arthur put it right in perspective. We have heard this. We heard it on the ladder, and I didn't like the ladder either. You know, the only good thing about the song, you know, we, we said this earlier, is when you think it's over, and I'm only talking the studio version, not, not in concert, and definitely not the, the reworking of it because of the new lyric change, which I don't like either, but that's another beef for another time. When the song ends and you get that crescendo of... I'm okay. Oh, that wasn't me? I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That was some <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Sorry. Um, when you get that crescendo at the end where it says, okay, and I'm going to get laughed at again, but where it goes, the cross. That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> you know, that's well done. But the song that's, 
we hear before that on the CD, the song that comes after it, you know, it's like a little time for me to just catch a breather. You know, this is this is the popcorn song. On the musicology tour, this is the Renato Nito oh, solo. Yeah. You'll get some popcorn. Wow. You know? I'm not saying it's bad, it just wasn't talking to me. Okay. You know, you know, but in concert on the film, it it brings a little some a lot a lot more to it. You get that emotional connection, that intensity, that passion on the CD. I'm just not hearing it. And it just doesn't hold me at all. It just doesn't. All right. Moving right along. The next song is It's Gonna Be a Beautiful Night. Yes. And uh, as I like to tell this story, and I'm going to abbreviate it here quickly, I am a hyper fan of a particular style of Prince. One, this time period is remarkable to me. Two, when you see Prince and the Revolution, I, have to, I guess I have to do say that, when Prince and the Revolution would jam out on their live shows, and I'm talking about the appearance they did on Sheila E's concert where they did a Love Bazaar. I'm talking about the America video. I'm talking about the Purple Rain uh, tour where they do Irresistible Bitch. Um, that style of Prince is just cold to me. It's unstoppable. It is basically, you know, he's incorporating the James Brown stuff that he has learned in the showmanship, and he has the strong horns. You know, Eric Leeds is... I, I'm also the fan of the say this. There is no greater period in Prince's music that does not have Eric Lees attached to it. All, all the songs that Prince and Eric Lees have together are dope. I ain't never say, heard nothing bad. Yeah, every song that they have together is fire. I've never heard anything that just doesn't work. And to me, Eric Lees perfectly captures... And I would imagine Prince must either hum or sing these melodies to him, and he plays them. But when I hear the horn lines that Eric plays back then, I just knew it was Prince. Like, I'm trying to think of a. There's, uh, man, I'm losing it here. But I don't care if it's Madhouse. I don't care if it's any of these songs. When you hear Eric on it. It's just magical. I don't know. It's, it's all I could say is just a certain magic that they had together. It is amazing to me. And so for him to be on these live recordings or these live shows and blow it out where it sounds dope and he's backed up with Atlanta Bliss, just don't listen. I don't want to get off track a little bit, but you know how Prince, you got like freaking 20, 15 horn players right now. Like it's crazy. Like the whole stage is horns. They can't hold a candle to Eric Lee's and Atlanta Bliss. When them brothers locked in together, it, that was it, man. You don't need all that uh, super horn. Them dudes was it. They'll blow those cats out the water. And, you know, I think uh, Arthur brought it up best. There's that part in the Science Times movie, I Could Take the Place of Your Man, where they throw in Rock Hard and a Funky Place, that horn line. That is one of the sickest little horn riffs i didn't even know the song back then but my head was i was like what the fuck did he just play i don't know what that is but that is filthy i was like ah, that's nuts so this song going back to i'm getting i'm coming back home baby i could take uh, excuse me it's gonna be a beautiful night has the ill horns all throughout the revolution is showing their power on why they are 
one of his dope. You can argue that Revolution versus Science Times Band. This song makes a great case why I, I would have to probably say you can't really fuck with the rawness of the revolution. The later bands are more experienced musicians and can probably you can throw them into a situation where you could just call out something and they'll be able to play together and it'd be dope. But in terms of just the creating the dope songs and, and rocking them out for what they know how to play. I think the revolution was, it was on fire, man. It was just a different vibe, but yeah, it's different when you get Levi, Sheila, first, these guys who played together before Miko, they was already a little unit rocking it and they come from similar backgrounds and Prince, he just has a general knowledge of all music where you can just throw him in. He gonna rock out with whoever he's a, he's a, he's a genius, right? So when you get all these cats together from like-minded minds and they come from jazz, soul sort of school, they're going to blow it up. And you got Eric Lees who he studied under James and he, that's all. I mean, that's yeah. So the revolution core members may not have that background, and it makes sense. But this performance of this track here shows why they are forced to be reckoned with. This song is a blowout jam. I am running long enough. I'm filibusting. So I'm going to quit here. <laughs> I'm going to go to Mr. Anthony. And uh, dang, Mike. Uh, I, know, I think sorry. you said it. <laughs> <laughs> it possibly could be said about it. Uh, there's, there's always, well, I guess we could go here. There's always a debate. Do you like the album or the live version? Which is funny because the album is a live version. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I go in between. You know, everybody loves the the faster up tempo of the Sign of the Times band, but the uh, the album version it it, it works for me as well because one I can hear the lyrics, which. You know, when you when I heard the uh, the live version, I really could barely make out what the what the hell Prince was saying. He was singing so fast, but I I, I kind of love the the slow down uh, tempo of the drums. I, I know that's probably a recurring thing I keep saying, but I, I really love when you, when the instrumentation is you can really absorb it more when at a, at a slower tempo. And you know, he actually brings out that that per, that part where they say we can't spend the night together, which I, I love that. Uh, as well, you know, Sheila's rap is Sheila's rap. You know, I give her props. Uh, she does rap in a pretty fast style, con- considering the lyrics that she's given. And you know, it looks like she does get it off dome as well. Um, I-, I love the song. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong you can say about this song. Um, I think the uh, for those of for those of you on value, I think that might be the best performance of this by the Sign of the Times band. But uh, I, I got to give it up to the revolution. They, 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 they do show more of a, a, I guess, a more, in my opinion, a more cohesive big band feel to the song. Yeah. And let me just throw, you know, the original version of this doesn't even have all of those vocals and verses, if I'm not mistaken. It's even more so just the music and there's little chants in different parts, but it's not fully sung like the album version. And I think it is even... I think somebody, I think uh, Big Sexy brought up that it may be a little slower. And I, I want to say you're, you, now that I think about it, you're right. But you just hear the instrumentation of the band. You got to imagine they were playing a live show. And they, they was, I mean, they locked it down. Who would imagine what a studio version, if there could have been a studio version, what that would have sounded like. But uh, nonetheless, Big Sexy, go ahead. 
Well, like you said, Mike, <clears throat> on album, it's a half a step slower. I mean, you want to hear the band cut loose. You want to hear them get out there and just run with it. And you do to an extent, but once you see it in the Sign of the Times film or the Sign of the Times warm-up or for those for those of you who are on volume, you know, you hear another thing. Now, granted, the common thread between both of these groups of musicians is Eric and Atlanta Bliss. They're on both sets, so they're both going to bring that fire to it. But with the Sign of the Times band, that band could keep up more. The, the Revolution, again, looks like you said it perfectly. What they know, they know better than everybody else. But when they got to something like this, it, and when it was recorded, it was still new. There was internal strife among the band. You know, this was recorded on, in, in Paris on the last leg of the parade tour, which, which was their last tour, unfortunately. And so when Prince brought that back to the new musicians, said, look, this is what we want to do. And then they took it and said, okay, fine. And they had an opportunity to work on it, build on it, and put in more cues, like the A-Train cue, which was so great. Because when I heard that in the film, I'm like, what? Okay, we're doing this now. You know, I like that. And it's something he hasn't done in a while. You know, I miss we would do the call and response. He'd call out to the band. He'd hold up hold up a number and hit him three times or five times. He wasn't doing that a lot at that time. And he did it subsequently in the film. But going back to the song, other than the, the Sheila E rap, I don't like it at all. Don't like the rap at all. I like the song a lot, but it's like the framework of what it can be. You know, what it can be became evident in the Silent Time film. This is like the the embryonic stage. You know, it's just starting to really coalesce and come together. It's good, but it's better in later in later uh, formats. Okay, Mr. Author. Um. I, I I do not like hearing this song um outside of the because it's uh it's the revolution's song. You figure it's 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 gotta be a song that was spawned out of out of out of rehearsals and jam sessions. You know, it doesn't appear on any album, doesn't appear on any unreleased album or even rumored configuration. You know, it was a touring song written, put together, arranged, performed by that band. I don't disagree that the later touring outfits that Prince used were better musicians than, than the expanded configuration of the revolution. However, it's, it, you know, for this album, for Prince to include this, this is his swan song to Soul the revolution. Somebody's got Soul Train Awards playing. <laughs> You got, you got another window open on your computer there, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. Okay. Um, this is the this is the revolution song. You know, this is a song uh, written, arranged, performed. You know, on tour. It doesn't appear anywhere else, right? So, for you know, for another group to do it, I mean, for me, it's not. It's just not authentic. You know, and uh, the changes come in in the, in the in in the film version of the song. Um, it it's better, 
right? It makes it more exciting. It makes it more lively. It's, it's, in my opinion, it's not done as well as the rearrangement of Housequake in the same film, but, you know, it's done better. But I just think that for Sign of the Times, this is Prince acknowledging, giving a farewell, a public farewell, you know, to the revolution, to the, to the group that had brought him up, you know, all the way to this point. And, and, and really, you don't hear anything about, let me, let me rephrase that. Really, the stuff on Sign of the Times that appeared on, previ- uh, on previous configurations, you know, we've referenced the Dream Factory a lot. You know, he extrapolated a lot of stuff that, uh, that was done by, by Wendy and Lisa. And uh, Strange Relationship is, is the most notable of that, you know. So it's, it's, almost, it's almost sweet, you know, mm-hmm. almost affectionate that he would put this on the album uh, in a live, you know, in the live setting. Because this was them doing their thing at a time when they, you know, when it really sounds happy. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody knew, maybe Prince at that time, but I don't think anybody knew you know what I mean? That the band was going to be broken up, you know, that summer in uh, in '86. So, great song. Um, one of the uh, one of my personal favorites, and um, it's just uh, it's just I can't. It's a snob in me. I can't hear it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just can't hear it. All right, all right. Um, I, w- I was going to add this too. You know, I think that him putting a live track on an album sort of to me also harkens back to so like the Purple Rain album where you know a couple of those songs are live performances that you know he maybe sweetened up in the studio but that was in a sense that's part of his style I mean that was his steez to do that you know I had no idea about this now but I know that um, what's the Jill Scott excuse me not Jill Scott <laughs> Jill Jones song uh, is it All Day All Night yeah and now right. we can hear, you know, from the um, there was a performance that he did uh, before Purple Rain even came out. Uh, and, uh, he did at First Avenue that surfers, I think, a year ago. And you can hear that the stu- well, well, at least from my mind, what I always assumed was a studio version of that performance is actually taken from that show. And he just brought it into the studio and sort of sweetened it up and, and was put on her album just like that. Um, obviously with her, her vocals. So, I mean, who knows how many other tracks that he has done on his albums where they were sort they were live performances. So this one is even, uh, it's the same sort of thing. You can't, but help to hear the crowd in this one where in the other performances, you don't really hear the crowd, but uh, I just thought it was maybe harking back to that was his style. Didn't he do that with her? Which one? He did that with the bird on ice cream castle. I believe so. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, I mean, he's always taking that live performance. And that's great. Hell, I wish. And some, well, I don't know. I'm not going to get into it today. So, (laughs) uh, now we are at the last song. And I'm going to make a request from my my co-host here. If you are surfing around on the Internet, be aware that your mic is picking up your clicks. And that means listeners can hear all that. So keep that in mind. Now, the next track is Adore. Now, I'm going to start this off to say this, because I think this might be an easy song to get into. But I will say this. At the time when this album was released and I picked it up, 
I normally uh, wouldn't get past if it's going to be a beautiful night. Like I would be jammed out on that so much. Um, and I wasn't into slow jams back then really like that. Where I would probably pick the needle up and either play it again or flip it over on one of the other songs and go play that before I got into a door. And a door was so interesting to me because it comes right in. Uh, it's, you know, it's segued into the, the previous song. So it's like, it's no really stop point of it's going to be a beautiful night. And then it goes, it just slides right in. There's almost, almost if you don't have a choice. But to play, it's always going to bleed into it. And I really find it very odd, like even on um, the Girl 6 soundtrack to the Spike Lee movie. When you hear a door start on that soundtrack movie, it still starts like that. Like you can hear the crowd fading out from the previous song and then it goes into a door, which is so odd to me. Like, doesn't he have a he couldn't have just mixed them a cut without that. But that said, I was almost forced to listen to this song. Because I'm always going to pick it up and it's always going to start. So I'm going to be the first one to admit that I wasn't all into this song originally. Because I was a young dude. I wasn't into that kind of stuff. It wasn't until later, later, where I, I knew the song. Because I would play it so much. Oh, we, we're losing people here. I, I, but, but I was not uh, enamored with the song. It wasn't until I got a little older that I could play this song, and I was like, I started really feeling the song, like the passion that Prince has when he's singing it. I, I understood it, and I was like, ah, oh, man, this guy is, this is crazy. Um, and, I, and I could appreciate it the right way. I'm going to stop what I'm saying here, and actually... We're going to take a quick sec. I'm not going to even take a break. I'm just going to pull. I think we lost author. I'm going to pull him back into the call here. Um, but with that said, Mr. Arthur, are you there with us? Ah, yes. Can there you, you go. Me? All right. So I just kind of gave my spiel of, of a door in terms of it took me a while to warm up into it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let others speak on this track. So, author, tell us about a door in your mind. This was... <laughs> This was the first. This was the first Prince slow jam that I actually liked from Jump. And I, usually, I would not like to hear the last song on an album because I just wasn't. Uh, I wasn't like a. I wasn't like a slow jam guy. Um, but this one really, really struck me, and I think it struck me because of. Um, ah, I, I think it struck me because uh, it was. It was different than the other ones. I mean, the way that the the, the, the Hammer B three comes in, and the the Sieg out of the live uh, crowd that you hear from "It's Going to Be a Beautiful Night" coming into um, uh, coming into a door uh, was a really 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 nice transition for me. Um, and I you know I've always I always liked this always liked the song. You know I, I'd, I'd like to think don't have any. I'm just pulling this out of the air. I have no verification, but I mean, I'd like to think that it uh, it's a kind of a a, a goodbye, a settling of uh, the dissolution of his relationship with Susanna Melville. You know what? Let me. I want to cut you right here because you just reminded me. I had a story about this song, and I totally forgot. 
and, and it was, may answer what you're asking. Do you think? Now, there was, a, there was a lady that I met online. <laughs> it sounded like a song. <laughs> <laughs> and I met her through, well, here, let me set it up. So there was, a, you know, Tyka Nelson. She, we interviewed her on the podcast. Now, the way that I got to know her was this other lady. I'm not going to say her name, but this other lady, and some of you will know who she is, had a, uh, like a podcast, basically. And she had Tyka on the show. And I had heard that this was going on. And it was, it, was, it was a live thing online. So I called in and I got through and, uh, you know, I, I, I forget what question I was going to ask Tyka Nelson. But uh, I told the lady, I said, yeah, I do a, a Prince podcast. You know, we talk about Prince. And they were like, well, huh? Like, how do you do that? You know, and I said, well, check it out. And, and I told them about it. And she was like, well, hey, you know, if, if we like it, how would you like to have Tyke on the show? And that's kind of how that whole thing come about. I come to find out later, me and this lady actually become very good friends. And she tells me that uh, she's very close to the Nelson family. Uh, she tells me actually how she met Tyka was she, back in the day. She was a girlfriend of Prince. I mean, way back in the day. And I was like, wow, okay. <clears throat> and she was always doing real cool stuff. She was actually trying to set up getting Prince to come on the Prince podcast. I, I, I always was like, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and, I, and I was sort of doubting her even being able to do that. But then, you know, was a, there was a conversation with me, her and Taika. And it was like, well, no, we're actually going to ask him like and see what he would say. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. And there was even some other stuff I will leave out. But she told me about this song and she said, you know, it was one day. I was at Paisley Park, and this is back then. And I was asleep. And Prince was like, he was, it was the middle of the night. He's like, just come down here to the studio. Just come downstairs or whatever. And, and uh, she says she came down there. And he's like, I want you to hear something. And she says the song that he put on and played for her, he is, he's, apparently he had just done it or whatever. It was a door. And I was like, are you serious? She's like, yeah, I have no reason to lie to you. Like, you know, she was like, I was really young at the time. Mm-hmm. So you didn't hear nothing about me. <laughs> you know, you can make out what you want to make out of it. But yeah, he played this for me. Like he had just finished it and he just wanted me to hear it. I was like, wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. And I was just like, but you can't really say nothing about it. Now, the only reason I saying this now or sharing this, she passed away. Oh, uh, very suddenly. And, you know, she's but she was hella cool, like just a cool person. And I was like that that story she told me. And I was just like, man, that's such a remarkable song. And, you know, the circumstances on that. So I don't know if it was made for Susanna, whoever, but I'm just going off what a person told me about when they first heard it. You know, this is well before it was released or anything. Uh, I just thought that was very interesting. Now, with that said, we'll go back to our regular programming. <laughs> and Arthur, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you told me that because I had a whole little thing. <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, I, I I'd like to. Uh, yeah, I know it just kind of throws <laughs> it <nuts>. all. <laughs> I figured it'd be a good time to share that to really share that story because she was really kind to do. That's that. a great story. That's a great story. But it's a, you know, and I mean, it's a, it's a great story surrounding a great song because it really is the kind of, it's the kind of song that you can, 
that that you as the listener can kind of own, take ownership of, you know, and mm-hmm. apply it to your own to your own lives and to your own scenario. I think it it very well may have like bumped Stevie Stevie Wonder's "You and I" for like you know everybody's wedding song for mm-hmm. uh, at least a decade, if not more. Um, and it's um, it's a it's it's a cult favorite. I mean, it's it a door is probably you know as revered as man i don't know i mean when he pulls out she's always in my hair if he if if he ever pulls out you know i don't know automatic or something like that i mean oh or how come you don't call me anymore it's like neck and neck you know what it is it's the people's champ yeah yeah (laughs) that's it that's it that's it it's like even if you're not deep into prince they know people know this song however it's funny yeah yeah and it's funny i mean it's that lyrical wit that he would that he would write uh um you know, the, I mean, the interlude, you know, the part about, you know, you can have whatever you want, you know, you can tear it all up, you know, except the car, you know, don't, maybe not the ride, don't, don't, you know, don't, don't touch my car, you know what I mean? It, but it's just, it's just, it's also real. I mean, it's one of those, it's one of those few Prince songs where Prince is like a regular person that you could actually might, you know, you could know and pick up the phone and talk to. It's not that ethereal, you know, it's not that ethereal Prince where, He's set up his own world. He's set up his own environment. You know what I mean? Um, People's champ, man. That, that's that's it. That hits it right on the head. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, and it's funny because I think it's one of those songs, too, where it, it it annoyed me at the time, but you don't, he rarely performed this song, at least in the sign of times. And even the times that he does do it in the Love Sexy, it's abbreviated. And I, sometimes feel it's it's to me it's like a, a good book like um some people would argue uh the stand by stephen king right i mean that's an epic book i don't right. know if you guys have read that but you really can't make a movie that is it will come close to what's in that book because it's too much it would be a movie that would have to be a mini series super long uh you know and it'd be very hard to reproduce the same because you know, how can I say when you hear that song and you hear his vocal performance, I I love the hope that he really felt that like he sang that you know what I mean like he was singing on that and it's hard yeah, to I, recreate that feeling night after night to to live up to what that is only very very few singers performers who can have that same passion on the road as a lot of their songs, you know, a lot of those great soul singers. I I wasn't there, so I don't know, but I've seen um, clips of like Teddy Pendergrass and you see his live shows. And I, and I wasn't even really into his music, but even a year ago, I started watching stuff on YouTube and there's some great performances. That guy was a beast live. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm a believer. I'm ready to throw my drum. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> shit is dope. Like he's just magnetism of a man, and just the, everything about it. I can see why. It's like, ugh. you know, it's almost like church, or you you have to be really passionately into it. And I feel like in that performance of that song, he was really into. You can hear it. You can hear it in his voice. Yeah, like, like you, you said, it. that whole part that he's talking. I would not be surprised if that's just him going talk yeah not the ride that was real i want to believe that he really said that and like fuck that i ain't gonna let this bitch mess up more (laughs) but he felt that and it would be hard to do that over 
and it not sound like it was watered down. It's and really I, telling yeah. that nobody has co- tried to cover that song. Except for, obviously, Alicia Keys did it on TV, right? And, uh, yeah. 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 You know. I respect her effort. Again, any of these younger artists, especially to take us, you got to imagine, you're going to cover a door. And you're going to do yeah, it live have- without being able to overstep, you know, the re-record parts because that's, I, I, she's not going to do it right. But I give her props for being pregnant and just do it in front of his face. That's balls. Mm. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I would give her that. But this song. Oh. I don't know. Well, again, it's not great. But there's no way. No one could do it. I, who you think could cover? Nobody could cover this song. There's no one who could do it. But I, you, go, ahead, go ahead. I think at one point Mariah might have been able to. Ah, um, you know, know, I mean, you need I'm somebody like Rich, you need somebody like Rochelle Pharrell. Mm. You need somebody that's got like some real vocal range and you know is believable. You know what I'm saying? Like Mariah covering, because uh, it's like you know I don't mean to like shut you down, but I'm just saying like Mariah is gonna overdo it. Yeah, it's true. And, and that's the thing the, is, you know what I'm saying? I Mariah's going to overdo it. I mean, you almost need somebody that came before Prince to cover it, like Minnie Repertin or something like that. But and it's interesting that you guys. I can't are, even think of a male that could do see, it. See, that's what I was going to say. We're all naming these females, but I think the yeah. whole part about it, it's a man singing this song. Right, right, and, right. You know, right. there's the only people I could see covering this, and, and, it, and I'm sorry that I don't know their names. Um, there's a gentleman who was in Bootsy's band. Uh, oh, you talking about Gary Scheider? I, like I, said, I don't know his name, very high pitch voice. I see him on the live stuff and he's just kill, <laughs> killing it. And I'm like, yeah, a guy, those type of dudes, I could see singing this because they could hit all the notes and maybe even better than Prince. And they'd be men doing it and, and could probably have that power to it. I, that just, I don't even see Prince performing this song the way he did on the record. Because I, I would say this, and I'm going to let somebody else speak. I saw one person cover this song live and I was actually blown away. And it was in Las Vegas. <laughs> it was the Prince cover band. <laughs> cover band. And that one that Pink, Pink does? No, it's not that one. Uh, I, I can't think of the name of their band. It was when I went to go see Prince at the 3121 and on the off day I went to the cover band. He, the dude, they did this song, sh- I mean, damn near note for note. For the album <laughs> I was blown away I was like this is a damn shame that they doing this and Prince I don't even know he would be able to do it, it was amazing like, I mean obviously it was somebody who bled Prince literally I mean this guy was Prince but that was the only time I've ever heard a, it was the only time I've ever heard the song done live in its entirety um, which was amazing to me but uh, Mark Big Sexy is yours you know, you mentioned the cover of the song, and uh, I have to give a little nod to Esperanza Spaulding's cover of If I Was a Girlfriend on that same BET award show. She just really, really knocked the hell out of it. Now, having said that, the Adore song, I know I'm going to be in the minority on this one, but not one of my favorites. Oh, you're not in the minority. I, I have an inherent problem with people covering Prince, period. <laughs> but uh, you know I, I do give people credit for trying and I give Alicia credit 
I give her credit for trying. I mean, it wasn't like Trey Songs, right? When he did, well, I forget what he did. It wasn't like that, where Prince was just like, damn, boy, you know. Mm. <laughs> you might want to reapproach your whole thing with that. But, I, you know, I give her credit. And, and, and it's hard. I mean, it's hard to do Prince. Because, see, a lot of what makes Prince Prince is Prince. It's like, you know, the whole enigma bringing all that into it you know so you know when quote-unquote regular people <laughs> you know what i'm saying actually try to try to pull prints off it's not it's not easy go ahead mark yeah you know just you know the song on the album though i mean i like how it how the beginning encompasses the the live live part of beautiful night but i like it lyrically but again i'm gonna get mail on this just not my song. I don't know why I don't like it. I should like it. All of the pieces are there to to assemble a great, you know, performance, but it just doesn't talk to me. You know, a lot of people give it a lot of credit. Oh man, this is a wedding song and this is an R and B slow jam. You know what? I'm just not feeling it. I don't know why. Maybe it's too schmoopy and schmaltzy coming off everything else on this disc, but I, I will admit when I heard the sample of it back during the Third Eye Girl show, people blew up when they heard it. And everyone knows it. It's a song we all know. But for me, you know, I'm I'm good. I, I if I never hear it again, I'm okay with it. Wow. Do you do you think it's because you've heard it before? Like my issue with the cross. You know, I don't know if I've heard heard it before, but I've heard that emotion before. You know, I've heard that type of longing before and I've heard it better, and I just, this one just doesn't, I don't want to say it's inauthentic, but it just doesn't resonate with me at all. It just doesn't. Wow, okay. I, I, I Before I go to Anthony, I would just say, for me, I think, to me personally, this is my favorite, I guess, ballad or, or slow song by Prince, and, and I find it weird that he doesn't perform this song. And I will say this, I really don't think this song is should have been the last song on the record. I, to me, it seems like an odd song to finish the album with. That's just the, a, a ballad, a great ballad, and slow jam. But I just, to me, after the two songs before, it should have came before that. I, I try to understand what was the point of a door at the end of Sign of Times after everything that it was about. Maybe I might be missing that, but. That was like his MO, though. I mean, every every album would end with a. a Every, yeah, just about every album would end with a slow song. I mean, for you, doesn't, but uh, I mean, the rest of them, just about the rest of them end with a slow song. Uh, yeah. Well, let's do it this I, way. Let's do it this way. I never say thought purple, of that. Say Purple Rain Forward. But they were, Through, I mean, I could see the cross being the end. I always see it more of the arena. I mean, I get it. I get it. But I mean, like, Purple Rain to Love Sexy. Mm-hmm. The The closer is a slow song. True, but I just think in terms of to me, this is like an R and B slow jammy sort of song. After we've heard all these sort of iconic stadium jam blowouts, it's like to me, if you would have ended the concert I, I, again, I agree with you. There is a difference between the album and concert, though. But if you would have ended the concert with the door, it would have seemed kind of weird. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. But I guess on the album level, it may work better. I just always I just thought, thought it was, it was an emo. Okay, I yeah. I can see your point though. Cause he, okay, nineteen ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine, love sexy. 
True. Song. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. I Very just think true. it was an MO kind of move. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, Mr. Anthony. Um, I think the, one of the reasons, I mean, like you brought up, one of the reasons why he doesn't do his live is that it's like he, he can't duplicate that. I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, I think this might be the case of Prince doing something that he couldn't duplicate again. It's like not only just the, not only in my opinion, is one of his greatest vocal performances ever, but it's like how how do you like match the intensity, the emotion that he would, I mean, he, he sang on that song. And you know we were we were talking about earlier who can recreate it. It's it's really just unless you're a great singer, you have a great voice. It's impossible to duplicate. And so I'm really glad. It's like people trying to duplicate. Uh, and I'm telling you, uh, the, oh. the Jennifer Holiday song. Oh yeah. You know, Jennifer Hudson got really really close. You know she got an Oscar for it. And it's like this is just the song that only this is this is Prince song. The only and and people are gonna find this blasphemous. The only song that comes close to match the emotion, the intensity, the the passion that he puts into the song is Sinead O'Connor's version of Nothing Compares to You. Hell no. I'm sorry. sorry. I don't know if you want to ride for that one. (laughs) I'm riding for that one. I'm sorry. She sings that song with the passion, the emotion, the intensity Mm. that Prince wish he had gotten out of uh uh punk of the monk mm. uh saint paul? paul yeah yeah i don't yeah. agree with that uh, no no yeah, well we can agree I, that that song sure. is sung poorly have uh, you heard melissa morgan do do me baby yeah actually yeah that's that's actually pretty good that's pretty good well you know i think the other point to add too is i think that because the vocal performance on the, the the album it's got the layered vocals and stuff and it would be hard to pull that off with you know Levi and all those guys trying to sing the background parts to, you know what I mean to, to go along with it which I think would be tr- problematic and he would have to surround himself he would have to have three real background vocalists standing up on stage with him which you could argue, I guess you could say he has that now, or he kind of has that, but I'm talking about like, I have to bring him up in the conversation again. I'm sorry. D'Angelo, mm-hmm. when he was on that tour with Soltronics, I mean, he had, well, it's funny. He had Anthony Hamilton. He had Shelby, who's in the MPG. And I can't think of the other person he had, but I mean, they were solid as vocalists. So it could back him up. Because a lot of his songs, most of... Correct me if I'm wrong, but are not a lot of D'Angelo's songs recorded like Adore vocally? Where he yeah. does doubles, triples all his vocals, and all of that was, oh, he had, well, one year he had Angie Stone. So, I mean, he has these, he has vocalists on stage with him. So, even though he can sing very well in his style, he's got people to back it up. So, it fills it up, and he can reproduce those records. I'm just thinking, I think Prince would have probably live, probably would have been better set not to have Jerome or Wally and those dudes be the background mm-hmm. vocalist and have some real vocalists. What if he have Rosie and maybe a couple other, I mean, you had Bonnie Boyer, but you see what I'm kind of going with that where I can see why he didn't cover Adore very often because it would have been problematic. Um, 
any other things to say about Adore before we wrap up? Uh, you know, the the one thing is is like I, I kind of go back and forth with this. I, I remember one uh, Prince podcast I had where you made the difference between a "I love you" song and a day dropping song, and I think you said the beautiful ones was a combination <laughs> of both. I, I think you got to include Adore in there too. Oh, for sure. Because yeah, uh, I I think yeah, Adore definitely is that song. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it kind of comes off a little simpish. To put this on there, but, <laughs> I mean, it does. Shout out to Tommy Sotomayor. It's all is kind of simpish, but like if you ever wanted to tell your woman that she' about to make your wife how you feel, Prince Prince wrote the song for you. Yeah. And th- this is this this would be at my wedding, and it might even be at my engagement party. All right. What we're gonna do here? What we're gonna do here is go back. No, what we're gonna do here now? I want to get some. Final thoughts on the album. I know this could go a little long, but we're going to get the final sort of takeaways of this entire album. Not going to get into the impact of his career. That's going to be another discussion. But just your personal, where do you see this album? Does it hold up for you? That's sort of an easy question to answer. But in terms of where it was released at that time, uh, what, what do you, where do you see it, uh, and where do you see it now, uh, Mr. Author? You have the uh, honors here. Oh, thanks. Uh, this is uh, this is undisputably Prince's greatest album, and I think that the way you have to, the way I look at it, you know, this is this is his white album. This is his exile on Main Street. You know, this is his this is his grand opus. Um, but it but it also serves as almost like a uh, like clearing the palate for his fans for for his own career. I mean, I talked a little earlier about how he, you know, he 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 uh, um, shed the past with this album. There's no more purple. You know what I mean? There's no more doves flying around. I mean, you still got flowers, but there's no lace. You know what I mean? Nobody knew because he's completely behind. Say what? Say what? I said no more blouses. Right. No more blouses. (laughs) No more, no more lace masks and stuff. He's not stroking the guitar anymore. All of the, all of the gimmicks, a lot of the gimmick, gimmickry is gone. Um, And the things that, that he's, that he was historically associated with up to that point are also gone. Wendy and Lisa's gone. The girlfriends are gone. Vanity's gone. All of that. You know what I mean? And with coming behind Under the Cherry Moon, which was called Under the Cherry Bomb in the press, nobody saw this coming. And when he put this album out, people looked at Prince. People... Uh, fans, the press, critics, uh, um, uh, you know, industry people looked at Prince differently. They looked at him. They always knew that he. They always knew he was a genius. They always knew that he was, you know, uh, 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 you know, incredible musician, incredible showman, blah 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 blah. But I mean, he put together a hell of an album. So much so that when you two won. Outside of the time, so I believe it was it was album of the year at the Grammys in 1988. Bono in his had to had to name check 
Prince in his acceptance speech. Because Bono knew that he was lucky to be here. That Joshua Tree, good U2 album, but Prince pulled that album out of his ass and nobody saw it coming. So, I mean, when you look at, when you look at Sign of the Times, it, it's, it, it, you have to look at it in the annals of, of great rock. And, and when I say rock, I'm using that kind of in an all-encompassing you know, term juxtaposed to say like, you know, pop and just R&B. But I'm saying you have to look at this like a white album from the Beatles as an exile from the Rolling Stones, as a songs in the key of life from Stevie. You know what I mean? You've got to look at it in such a way. Pink Floyd's uh, uh, Dark Side of the Moon. It's that album that very, very few artists have in a career at all, you know? Um, and there's a lot of history behind it. Um, and, and I think that, uh, uh, you know, me personally, it, it goes in my, it switches out between my, my one and two Top Prince album positions with Dirty Mind, you know, for very different reasons. But it's, it's the album that completely encompasses Prince. Everything that Prince has ever done in his career before that album and after. Sign of the Times is the repository that if you put a funnel in a bottle and poured everything that Prince has ever, ever done goes through that funnel. It, it, it's, it's sign of the times. You know what I'm saying? It's the totality of what, okay. of what is in that man. And um, if you, if you don't have the album, you're really, really, really doing yourself a disservice. It's one of those albums that you just buy, put in your collection, you know, and learn about it later. Just make sure that you have it. All right. I would add, my opinion of this album is, I would say it is one of his greatest albums ever done. My reason for saying that is, I think that this was the first time where <clears throat> we know Prince, he's constantly recording, he's constantly making music. And I think it was uh, Little Richard who sort of said it, uh, one of his little documentaries about Prince, he made the comment, I'm paraphrasing, where he was like, if he would just give the people a little more time to take in his music, it would be a little, it'd be more appreciated. And I think this album, it may not have been the way he wanted it to be, but I think the self-editing and the span of time to make sure that these are the right tracks, you know, the songs were worked on. It wasn't like, <clears throat> that would be to say like, uh, he wanted to do something, but he couldn't put it out. So it went back into the drawing board, mixed it up again, did some more stuff that didn't come out, did some more stuff that didn't. To me, I equate it to blasphemy if you want, like Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, he's going to put out an album, what, every five, six years. But you know that that end product has went through the greater. It has went through the editing. It has went through being chopped up and made sure it's dope and like, is this the right song? Yep, this is the song. Has it been worked on? Yes. You know, so we went through all those hundreds of songs that he didn't put out. I'm only going to put the best. And I kind of feel like in a, a little sort of way, Sign of Times is, there's a lot of material he pulled from. And he pulled, ultimately, I guess he probably figured these songs work in this capacity. Boom. This is going to be my stuff. I think he gave himself some time 
where he had many things to pull from and he gave us the best where I think sometimes his albums are, are cut for the moment and go ahead and put it out. But they may not always all go together or something. I just feel like this is a great compilation because he pulled from the best. I even think if he was even if Warner Brothers had been real cold, hardcore and said, listen, man, we're not putting out a double album, period. Chop it down to the to just straight burners. I don't give a fuck. I mean, if you you know, he's not going to listen to nobody. <laughs> he would just say straight burners. Like, I'm going to argue, too, that you could take this album. Yeah, it would break the album theme. But if you just pick you could make one solid playthrough in my opinion, would just straight heat. And it would have been, that would have been it. So I will say this is one of his greatest albums because of that. Again, he could have put out the Camille album and it could have been one of his greatest albums too. Because there's a lot of just straight heat on that, period. It would have been a different sort of theme, but it would have been straight heat. And I feel like for as much as Prince could have been contained at that period in his career, this was the best containment and like somebody said, the funnel, this is contained, signed, sealed, delivered, takes you from A to Z, and you get everything, and everything is dope. So that's that's my take on it. I'll just say that the, the album is hampered, and why I believe he didn't get that Grammy is because the follow-through wasn't there on the other side of the album. Yeah, there is the music side of it, but at that point in the game, the video side was important. The presentation to the people was important. The interview was important, just as it is important today. I do feel if you'd have did an interview during that period, it would have been. It was important. It was important enough for him to send Cat and Wally, whoever it was, to BET and sit down with Donnie Simpson. It would have been better suited if he was. Let me go over there for a second. I'll, everybody would have bought the record because they'd have been like, put a face to this thing. And it's OK. That's my guy. God damn it. You know. So anyway, that's my opinion. Big sexy. You know, <clears throat> there were albums mentioned. The White Album, Songs in the Key of Life. For me, Marvin Gaye, What's Going On. Paul Simon's Graceland, an album I've never heard before. As sign of the times. When you hear those albums, you know that is the artist at their peak. Or not the only peak, but at their peak, they may have more, they may not. But that is as good as they can get, and it's just brilliant. This album, front to back. Now, I know we, we chopped it up the last couple of times we talked about it, and, uh, you know, a couple of things that, you know, I didn't, I didn't particularly enjoy, but that's not comparing it to his body of work. That's comparing it to the songs within this album. This album is brilliant. It has stood the test of time. It will always stand the test of time. And it's like Arthur said, we're not doing the, we're not doing the lace anymore. We're not doing the, the hat. We're not doing all the, the blouses and all that. We're doing music here. This is what we do now. Now, if you can't get with that, there's a door. And everybody heard this, especially coming off of the film, Under the Cherry Moon, which we all know just didn't work out well, and that's being gentle about it. He he goes away in seclusion for whatever reason, breaks up the band, locks himself away, comes out with this. 
no fanfare, no bullshit. Here it is, two albums. This is what I do. This is how I'm going to go now. And he comes out of nowhere with this and just lets everybody know I'm the guy, okay? And the thing is, for me, a lot of times when a musician who's critically acclaimed breaks over into a lot of mainstream, they just seem to bring it back a bit. Now, I was a Prince fan from the second album, but when Purple Rain came out and I saw that tour, to me, he brought it back in a little bit. He's like, let me bring back a little bit of the the freaky stuff, play a little more safe. With Sign of the Times, he didn't do that. He said, this is what it is. You don't like it, I don't give a damn. This is what I'm doing. And the next thing I'm looking forward to the most, and I've talked about this before, I'm doing a lot of downloading from HD tracks. I have the first seven albums in higher resolution, and I check their site every week to see when they're getting Sign of the Times because I cannot wait to hear that in the highest fidelity possible. That's what I want to do. So once I get that, I will be in Sonic Nirvana. This album is timeless. It does not get old. It could be released right now and still make an impact. All right. Mr. Anthony, bring us home. Um, you know, listening to the the fellas, they talk, I keep hearing they words like, um, does it hold up? Um, does it stand the test of time? And to me, I, I think I want to go in a different direction and say it was ahead of its time. Uh, you, you listen to tracks like The Ballad of Dorothy Parker, Starfish and Coffee, Forever in My Life. And I, If I Was Your Girlfriend, I think it's another one, too, that had they been released in the 90s, maybe in the 2000s, those would have been hits. Those were just like perfect for those era. And. You know, I understand that he trimmed this down from Dream Factory and Crystal Ball. And I, I, I kind of think that it works really well, the configuration that he came with, as uh, it does have some cohesiveness. Like, I, I really didn't pay attention to uh, uh, this two, the the first four tracks. And, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, that actually does work together. You know, you're dealing with this relationship till he gets to the point that he's like, I'm done with relationships. And I, I just want to hit it with uh, I can never take the place of your man. Um, this is some of his best writing, some of his best instrumentation, uh, easily it's, it's a must listen song. And I really think that I really wish that he had decided to play ball. <clears throat> so this album could have gotten the respect, even though I say, you know, Grammys to me does means BS. It, it doesn't matter. Does it really help your record sales? Does it really, um, um, just uh, I guess put a uh, certify you as a great artist, but the fact that you know this album lost out to U two is just an atrocity to me. Love the album, think it's great. All right, damn near perfect. You know when I I remember watching that you you know not YouTube, the Grammys that night. I remember they, you didn't really show Prince that much, but then they did show him. You know he's sitting in the audience, and I was like, ah, oh, there. Damn, there's fucking there's Prince, you know, <laughs> and he looked different to me. I was like, damn, what the? F-? And I looked at it as like I didn't, I knew he wasn't gonna win because to me, Sign of Times, it was like to me how I I viewed like early hip hop albums and stuff. Like I know they ain't gonna give the award to that. They ain't pump. They not pumping that. Like that's not. It don't fit along with their whole thing. And it's I don't know. I didn't find it odd. I just was like. Of course he's not going to win. This is a, a damn near a black album. 
It's got some different shit on it. It's not all over the TV. This ain't what they champion. Like, it just didn't seem odd to me. I mean, I'm sure it did to him. Everybody. But I was just like, yeah, he ain't going to win. Like, they don't never give. I was on that old, they ain't going to never give us. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I just didn't see, like, I was actually tripping that they was recognizing that. Maybe I wasn't paying too much attention to the media, but. I was like, man, they they giving them props on this because I didn't think they was even caring. It didn't seem like it to me, but I don't know. I just to me, he wasn't the super. I mean, he was a superstar, but he wasn't Purple Rain. You know, he wasn't all over the place then. Not as much as I wanted him to be. Uh, I mean, I knew who you you two was, and I ain't never even heard the record, but I knew who they were because I couldn't flip the channel without seeing their video. So that's why I assumed they would win. You know, same thing with Michael Jackson. I was a big Michael Jackson fan, but at the same point, you didn't have to know nothing about what the music sound. I knew he had music out, and I knew it was all over the place. Prince, I don't think at that time, his music was not all over the place. It wasn't, he didn't have no video. And he wasn't touring here, so, was, you know, I knew a Prince from, like you said, the Rolling Stone. And I remember there was that Rolling Stone article where they covered the Sign of the Times tour. It was in Paris when it first started. And I mean, I sal- salivated over those little p- pictures. I'm like, ah, oh, ah, oh, I can make him see this. But that was all I got. And it was, and then when he did uh, MTV or whenever, I don't know if that was before or after that. But yeah, he just wasn't, he wasn't out there enough. And I, you know, I sort of wonder if he, he sort of just kind of wasn't really all there for the album. Like his, ah, you know, they're not gonna let me do what I want to do. Yeah, I'm gonna put this together, but. Like I ain't supporting this. I ain't gonna. I ain't doing shit. I kind of got that vibe from him. As I look back at it, I kind of could see he may not have just. He'd have been like, you know what? Yeah, we're gonna go do this tour over here. But America, Warner Brothers, man, fuck them. You know, I'm not it was funny. Fan. He was kind of like Kanye is now, just not as exactly. uh, just not as berserk. And interesting thing though, <laughs> Rolling Stone was really feeling him. Around that time. I mean, they put him, Wendy and Lisa did a cover story really on Wendy and Lisa oh, in 86. Right, right. Yeah. But they, um, in the random notes section, they had photos of his warm up show of, uh, for those of you on volume um, that previewed that. They, they had photos from that show and, and random notes. They had, uh, you, you know, you talked about the article that they had when the tour started. Mm. Um, but also, they um because they changed their format a little bit where it's like you had the dominant cover obviously you had the cover photo but then when you got to the table of contents they would have an edge to edge full cover photo and then they right. would do the contents over that the picture that appears on the movie poster for sign of the times originally appeared in the table of contents section as the actual photo from a show um i and, and i know you later we're talking about visuals and all of that but i'm saying it's like the the People knew that he had a hell of an album. They knew that he had a monster. But I'm with you. It's like it wasn't. He wasn't the darling. He wasn't you too. He wasn't. He wasn't hell. He wasn't uh, uh, Peter Gabriel. You know who still was ah. getting the halo effect from So. Right, you know right. what I mean. Yep. He wasn't Sting, who was getting the halo effect from from Blue Turtles and then going into Nothing Like the Sun. You know. Mm-hmm. But they they knew who they were dealing with and and. I, I remember Prince's face. I mean, Prince was on some Kanye. Yeah, he was. Like, <laughs> took that as you know, hold up, Bono, I'm going to let you finish, but, you know what I mean? I had the best album of the year. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, I actually took what the, uh, Bono said about he's a song and dance man. I, I don't like Tupac. I took that as a diss. <laughs> I was like, man, you're well, No, well, he said, he said that it was something, 
it was like Prince wouldn't. Prince saying Prince he was would more just be than another, right? But I still yeah, took yeah, it. That's what kinda, he was trying to say. I took it as like I was just like, man, you can't even speak on on that shit. I just I, I know, know I, I know. Was, I just took it wrong. I was like this month, but I know. Prince was like, man, let me take these gloves off and pull this ribbon out my hair. Let's, let's <laughs> and, and you back. know, and you know what? The other thing too, all those artists that you mentioned, they knew he was the shit. Yeah, that's what the thing was. It's like they all knew that this yep. dude could blow us all out. And he really yep. did, but he wasn't playing ball by the game. And, and, and for other reasons, we're going to be on, on the spotlight. But they knew that, that he was that dude. Like, man, if only we could do what he does. Yep. You know. But uh, all right, man, this has been uh, one for the record books. And, and again, part three, ladies and gentlemen, is coming. That's where we're going to talk about all the other stuff all over that but before we get out of here i want to thank these gentlemen for coming in dealing with uh, my technical uh insecurities <laughs> and, and miss uh, mistakes so first off mr anthony sir i want to thank you for being a part of this show give the people a little bit of where they can find you because i know you got a lot of stuff going on on the internet uh you can find me at 411 mania i have a weekly comic book theme called column uh, titled The Comic 8-Ball. Um, I don't have a new one up dedicated to Wolverine tomorrow night around 10, I think. And also at KnockoutNation.com every week I look at the uh, world of professional wrestling, tell you what's, uh, give you my big ups, my shade, and my hot-ass mess that's going on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Big sexy and sax, sir. I know you're doing your thing, uh, uh, now doing the NFL uh, players, agent, balling, you're doing it. I'm going to start calling you Puffy here in a little bit. Uh, what do you got going on, sir? Well, like you said, uh, now that the college season is starting to wind down, I'm starting to gear up uh, players I'm starting to look at and go in contact for, uh, for representation, and I'm still doing my law practice. And um, one thing I'm learning, and I want to pass this on to uh, any young people out there, when you're in business, some clients you will take a bullet for, and some clients you want to put a bullet in. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Mr. Author, again, uh, you have the Music Snobs podcast. Tell us where we can find that, and tell us what your latest episode is about. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Thank you. Uh, we can be found at themusicsnobs.com. Uh, we've got links to our full uh library of shows there as well as our, our, our iTunes subscriptions and, and uh, uh, social profiles. Um, we just released a few days ago our 20th episode and um, we talk about uh, icons, what makes an icon in, in 2013. We ask our, our, our usual question, our what if question where we take a real scenario and kind of turn it on its head. Uh, kind of like, like what, uh, what, what Marvel Comics would do when they would merge you know, two storylines together. But we asked the question, what if Kanye was only a producer, didn't rap, didn't fashion design, didn't flip out in the media? <clears throat> uh, we look at the, uh, the artist-fan relationship in the social media age. Um, uh, of course, I ask, you know, does it kill the myth? Because I'm, I'm kind of a big myth guy. And, uh, you know, we close it out uh, with uh, a roundtable discussion where each of us uh, reminisce on what was the moment in which we realized that we were a music snob. So, um, right. I, and, and really, man, I, I really thanks for, thank you again for the invitation. Uh, it is one of my favorite subjects to talk about and um, been a fan of the show for, uh, for a good long while. 
Oh, man, I appreciate the support. And again, I, I am a fan of your show. Uh, yeah, I want to hear you guys. I, I think I really want to hear a conversation. I don't think you guys have really... Have you guys talked about Michael Jackson? Uh, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> uh, we have. We were, we, it looks like we're able to uh, resurrect uh, some technical difficulties that we had throughout that show. And um, um, we, we, we look like we're going to have a topic soon. Okay. If, if, if you don't mind not putting it out, what it is, but uh, we asked the question, is Michael Jackson... The how do we do it? Is Michael Jackson? You know what? The, Stop! Stop! That, 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 that. <laughs> Don't say it because it's going to create more work for me to cut it out. So we'll just we won't, I won't I won't put it out there. But don't say it is. Okay, I want to be surprised myself. I'll leave it alone. <laughs> and yeah, all I got to say is we got a, we we do we have a Michael topic in the works. Okay, good, good. Um, and I got to add to you know a name drop for you. Uh, they had uh, Erica Badu was a host a guest on the show uh, one time. I was like amazed by that. I was like wow, and that was a good show. Um, all right. Uh, again, I will tell you all, please continue to listen to uh, podcastjuice.net. Um, there's a thing on the site now where you can donate your Facebook and or Twitter account. I will let you take a look at that and see what that is. It's a great way to help spread the word of the podcast. I would ask if you could please do it. We need all the help that we can get. And uh, you'll catch us again on the Prince Podcast, also on geeked out we got a lot of good stuff coming down the pike here at the podcast juice a lot more shows and a lot more consistency that's my challenge and that's what i'm working on so with that i want to thank you all for listening and uh, we will see y'all next week peace